episode of Game Face for 2017. Not our, to be confused with The Last Jedi. Right, yeah. Our uh, Game of the Year episode of Game Face. We have 21 different categories this year. I think that's two more than last year. Yeah? Yeah. What'd you add? Well, what happens is every year, like, we'll, never remember. we'll cut out a genre because there All was right. nothing that came out or we'll add them. Uh, this year was good enough that we have enough for 21 different categories. So I think it's the most categories we've ever done on our Game of the Year episode of Game Faith. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Uh, before we get going, since this is the last episode of the year and the last time we'll see a lot of you guys, I just want to say thank you very, very much for all your support this year. It has been absolutely incredible. I want to thank Matt, who has been amazing as always as a co-host. I want to thank Sam, who's been an incredible TriCaster TD the entire year. And I want to thank you guys, our patrons, our on-site subscribers at Sifted, just everybody who has supported the site, or me, or Matt, or whatever, throughout the entire year. It's been a great year for video games. One of the best ever. Yeah. Maybe we have the discussion of the whole, is 2017 the best year ever for the first episode of next year? Yeah. Um, but After to- we've had time to ruminate. Yeah, yeah. That, but yeah. I think today you're going to see just what an amazing year in video games it was. It's been refreshing to put together this episode and just see what an incredible year in video games it was. I think on the TriCaster we have the most clips loaded ever for an episode of Game Face, so Sam's going to be on his toes today. He's going to be going through a lot of clips. Um, But I think we have some surprises today for some of our awards. Um, I think maybe in some cases we'll be able to turn you guys on to some games that maybe you didn't pay attention to throughout 2017 that maybe caught our eye. I think it's going to be a great episode and a great way to close out the year. Uh, One last note before we get into everything. Um, While this is the last episode of Game Face, we do have some more content coming over the next week, week and a half. Uh, There's going to be a Beat Shame, which I'm recording tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to spoil who I'm playing or what we're playing, but we're recording that tomorrow. That'll be going up. Um, A new Ask Shane Anything will be going up soon, and possibly a new Geif. Um, we're, we're, we're getting down to it here. Like, mm-hmm. I fly back to the East Coast on Tuesday morning, so... Yeah, which also means I think we will have to do the, uh, the Fantasy Draft penalty stream yeah. in January. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to kick off the year anyway, with you punishing me. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah uh, and that'll be happening early in January as well. But I fly out on Tuesday to go back to the East Coast for the holidays to see the family, which I never get to see throughout most of the year. So I'm excited about that, but I literally have like every hour scheduled until I hop on that plane on Tuesday. So whatever happens, whatever we manage to get out, just know that I'm giving it everything I've got to get as much content out as possible before the year turns over. One thing I would say that'll be different this year over the holidays is usually Sifted just sits empty and it doesn't get updated over the holidays. Because we have some other people kicking with curation here and there, I think you might get a little bit of curation on Sifted throughout the holidays, mm-hmm. whereas before you didn't get any. Um, game industry does kind of go kind of silent usually though it does but you know what every year when i come stuff yeah but every year when i come back from the holidays people complain Mm. it's not really like people on that are our regular users they get it i think a lot of people just disconnect over the holidays i like to because i don't get any vacations i haven't Mm. had a vacation in like three years so the only time i do get off is the holidays and i need to disconnect for a while and it helps it helps me come back with a fresh perspective on the next year and everything Um, But when I come back, what happens is the people who are not our power users, 
and just maybe use the site once or twice a week, I'll get messages on Twitter like, what are you doing? The site hasn't been updated. Hmm. Like, who doesn't update a website like for a week or whatever? And we do. So, (laughs) Uh, but I think this year there might be at least some curation going on over the holidays. And of course the forums are always there and our discord chat for you guys to stay in touch. And I'll probably jump in here and there and, uh, and get involved with you guys over the next couple weeks. But anyway, with all that bookkeeping out of the way and an amazing 2017 under our belt, Let's get to our first award for the 2017 Sifted Game of the Year Awards, and that is Best First-Person Shooter. One thing I should say before we kind of get into it is for most of the categories, Matt and I just chose one winner. Um, and then there are there's a handful of categories at the end, which are basically the bigger ones, or at least the ones that draw mm-hmm. the most interest. And for those categories, Matt and I chose a runner-up and a winner. So first part, just a winner. Towards the end of the show for the bigger stuff, we have a runner-up and a winner. So, let's go, Matt. Best first-person shooter for 2017. I guess one thing I would say right before we, we give our picks is that, looking back, this was not a great year for first-person shooters. Not really. No, it was a, this was almost a default, Yeah, I would say. Because I started looking through it, and I was like, because I got your picks first. Because what mm-hmm. happens is I send Matt the list, he sends his picks, and then I go through and I do my picks. When I first saw your pick, I was like, I don't know, like really? And then I started looking at it, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that was pretty much my internal process too. It's like, really? Was that really? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I guess it was. I guess yeah. it was. And so this is one category where Matt and I have chosen the same winner, and so we'll say it together. The yeah. best first-person shooter of 2017 is. Destiny, Destiny 2. 2. Yeah, I know. You guys don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm sure people are groaning right now. But I think what put it over the top for me is it is the most complete first-person yeah. shooter of the mm-hmm. year. And definitely most improved. Most improved from the first game easily. But when you really look across all the modes and options in Destiny 2, they're all handled, mm-hmm. I mean, depending on your perspective on loot boxes and all that kind of stuff, all the modes are handled really well. And you look at, like, the social hub on Destiny 2, because, you know, one of the other games, obviously, a lot of people are going to look at is Call of Duty World War II. Mm-hmm. Social hub in that game has been a complete disaster. It doesn't even populate. Does it even work people. anymore? I don't even know is if it, it does work. Like, they'll let people in. It won't work. They'll shove people out. As of I right mean, now, this, this moment, I have no idea if it's no, working. No, I don't know. I haven't looked at it in a while. And uh, uh, I know, like, when I play, last time I played it, there was, like, a, a little quest thing to, like, do something, like, salute a... Yeah, a, and you can't play, do And it. you can't because no other players. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've had the same problem. It's like one of the first goals you get in the game yeah. is to salute another player. And I'm like, there are no other players. Who am I going to salute? So so everything in Destiny 2 just kind of works pretty well. I mean, we have had the problem where, like, they were messing with the XP you get for certain things. And that was a little uh, sketchy. Yeah. But, like, you know, I played the game, like, 100 hours. And it was a good time. I haven't actually had time to try Curse of Osiris, the new the new content yet. But, like, that came a lot faster than I thought it would. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. Uh, uh, I'm not a fan of exactly of how they've been kind of locking content you used to have out unless you get the expansion and all that stuff but like they're learning on the they're fly learning. Yeah, they'll, they'll get there they probably shouldn't be learning on the fly at this point but they are yeah there's, there's been a lot i mean this has kind of been the year also of like really you needed someone to tell you that was a bad idea yeah like, you, like for not publishers. just for bungee no for, for like in general kind of the game yeah. industry's publishers seem to be like oh you thought you'd get away with that huh all and right. i think that's really what it's come down to is is they really thought they were going to get away with it yeah i mean they knew that what they were doing was something that might generate yeah. some and no one is seeing this stuff and then saying oh maybe we should rethink patreon yeah anyone yeah huh like because yeah. that same did the same damn thing yeah speaking of which you know last week patreon decided it was going to pass the fees along to right. the the patrons 
Whereas before we were paying those fees, people freaked out. We lost a ton of patrons on oh, our yeah. Patreon. Patreon has flipped and decided to go back. So if you left our Patreon because of Patreon's mm. fees getting schluffed onto you, that is no longer the case. So we'd really appreciate it if you could go back. And it's like, it's yeah. so hard to get those people right. back. Well, so, I mean, like, regardless of what happened for, for us and for, I think, a whole bunch of sites and, and channels, yeah. like, damage is done. Yeah, it's too late. Like, so now we got to so thanks, battle. Thanks for that. And uh, Yeah. At least they went back. So yeah, I mean, everyone. They've all, a lot of these companies have gone back, but it's like, how did that happen in the first place? You know, it's terrible. But anyway, let's get back to best first person yeah. shooter. What other games did you consider? I considered Wolfenstein. I considered obviously. Wolfenstein. Um, I'm a, I considered Wolfenstein. Was, <laughs> yeah. like, was anything? I mean, I, like, like other, I said, it wasn't a great year first, for first, first person. Shooters. Like I wouldn't call Prey a first person shooter. Really, it's more of an adventure RPG sort of thing. Yeah. And like. Um, yeah, well, Prey, Dishonored 2, kinda ish. Kinda, but it's more of, yeah, but we didn't have like pure shooters like Super Hot and, and Doom this year. You know, yeah. it, was, it wasn't too much. Although of that. those were all re released again. Right. And Destiny, <laughs> Destiny 2 obviously is an RPG. It is, sure. yeah. But like, you know, the Bungie pedigree gives the shooting game, the shooting gameplay is really the draw. It is. There, yeah, and whereas, it's great. We're certainly Wolf, still Wolfen- great. Wolfenstein 2 like came down to kind of like, I enjoyed Wolfenstein 2, but there came some points where I was playing it. To get through the shooting part to see the rest of the story. Yeah. And that's not the mark of a good shooter. No. And I think the other thing that kind of turned me off of Wolfenstein, one, it doesn't have multiplayer or anything else other than the campaign, but two, it's really freaking hard. Like, hmm. it's one of those games that's not for everybody. It's kind of an acquired taste. Either you want to kind of struggle through a shooter mm. and, and kind of get that sense of accomplishment from it, or you don't. Um, and I just think Destiny is probably the game that's the most accessible to the most amount mm-hmm. of people. It was improved in so many ways. The campaign yeah. so much better. I enjoyed. It made the-, the world a more interesting place. I remembered some of the characters' names for the first yep. time in two games. Uh, I enjoyed the Crucible way yeah. more this time. I played it way longer than I did with the first game. It's constantly throwing stuff at you in the open world to do, and you, yeah. it, it was. It was a more complete game. It felt more like what was in my head when they said Absolutely. they were, were going to make this, you know, you know, kind of massively multiplayer style shooter from the guys who made Halo. Yep. Like it, it felt like they finally delivered on what that was. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I do feel like this award this year is kind of like a lesser of the evils. Yeah, it's, it's not. Maybe it's not best first-person shooter so much as like least bad first-person right. shooter, but like least annoying first-person shooter. But like, I had a really good time playing it, and. Uh, yeah, I don't. Re- I don't regret buying it. I don't regret putting all the time I put into it, and I feel like it's just going to keep getting better as Bungie learns what not to do. Yeah. So. When I inevitably have these conversations with other journalists, we're like, "So, what was your game of the year picks for 2017?" This is not going to be one of them that I no. bring up right away. <laughs> uh, it, it again, it was kind of a lesser of all the evils. Uh, not that it was a bad game mm. or anything. I was. I think there's still some level of disappointment with yeah. Destiny 2 for most people. Uh, but when you really look at 2017, it was not a great year for the genre. Yeah. So. And there's a lot of good stuff in there, just like non-shooter content-wise. And like, we don't have a voice acting category, but uh, the the woman who played uh, Failsafe would be on my short list for that. Because I, I love, I mean, a lot of people hate Failsafe, but I, Failsafe is one of the great characters of the year, I think. Yep, so there you go. Destiny 2, first person shooter of the year for 2017 from Sifted. Let's go to our next category. Which many times is linked into the prior category. Yeah. And this is best multiplayer for 2017. Obviously, not it's not. today. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> it's not just about first person shooters. There's multiplayer yeah. across all genres. Um, so this award isn't just like which shooter had the best multiplayer suite. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Matt, what is your pick for best multiplayer of 2017? Well, this is a little weird one, maybe, but I really sat and thought about what did I have the most fun playing? Because I'm not a huge multiplayer person. Yeah. I don't stick with this stuff too long most of the time. But what did I play the most multiplayer? Because I played Destiny a lot, but I didn't play the Crucible much. Yeah. And what did I play multiplayer the most? What did I stick with the longest? And the answer to that was For Honor. Wow. Um, That's not a bad pick, though. I mean, it came out so long ago, it's easy... And yeah, look, that's one thing I want to make sure we do in these awards is not forget the games that come out earlier in the yeah, year. This is a it's very easy game, right? to do. Yeah, it's very easy to forget those games that came out, you know, yeah. 10, 11 months ago. Um, but this year in particular, some of the best games of the year came out early mm-hmm. in the year. So when I was looking at picking my awards, I made sure to go back and look at those early games because this year there were a lot of great ones. And multiplayer-wise, the strategy in For Honor, I mean, that yeah. I will say this. The multiplayer in For Honor is probably the most intense multiplayer I played all year. As mm-hmm. far as like on the edge of your seat, like what's going to happen? One slight yeah, move, you could versus turn, them. Yeah, like, that that mono like, a mono yeah, aesthetic. Like the, like the next second will decide everything. Yeah, like, like the tension is there at all. For times. sure. Yep. And obviously, you're not alone here, Matt. This game has been a massive success for Ubisoft. Massive. Yeah, you forget. Like, this this and Ghost Recon is interesting in that, like, it's, they've been so successful, but, like, we don't really talk about them much in the core gamer world. Yeah, you're absolutely uh, right. They're, they're a hit outside of that demographic. That whole games as a service thing that we all Although, I admit, to... I did load up Ghost Recon yesterday because of the Predator thing. Yeah. yeah. Predator thing's pretty awesome. But, the... um... This was the most fun I had playing against other people in anything, I think. I mean, and part of it is because I'm a fighting game fan, and this, like, kind of melds, like, a multiplayer shooter with a fighting game to, yeah, to a degree that, like, Absolutely. it felt like something a little different. And uh, I, I just never got, like, winning winning any kind of duel in this game, like, felt very satisfying, and it I felt is. like I accomplished something. Yep. Um, and it, and there was a you know sometimes you run into a lot of jerks and stuff obviously but most of the time like the people I fought against like you you'd run into each other like in the middle of the map and you'd stop people would stop and you bow to each other do whatever like there was like there, was there this, is an odd honor there's in an the honor game. system I mean, to for it honor, a bit. obviously yeah. but there's an and it reminded me a little bit of like playing uh, like the multiplayer of like the old uh, Jedi Outcast Jedi Academy games where people kind of created their own sort of like, rules their own rules about how you engaged with each other and. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of fun to see. Like, it was nice to see kind of a spontaneous, uh, a spontaneous like kind of community like trends appear that were not like based around horrible behavior, yeah. <laughs> and, and instead were based <laughs> around kind of like. There's also sort of an element like there seemed to be kind of a thing going on with For Honor players where it's like we, you know, like you, if you're playing For Honor, you kind of get it in a way that like maybe other people didn't get it. Yeah, and, like, you're it right. A, yeah, there was a little bit of elitism to it, I guess. But like there was a there was a community that sprang up around that, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, I think the other thing I would say about it is that it's one of the more unique games of the year. Yeah. I mean, there's no other combat system like that one in the industry. So it did something mm-hmm. new. It did it well. It's also been really smart with how it's sustained and kept its audience across, at this point, almost an entire year now. So I think that's a great pick. But I chose something different. And my favorite multiplayer game of 2017 is, and I should have had a drum roll for Sam here, Hmm. Splatoon 2. <laughs> He's just going to use his hand. <laughs> Splatoon 2 is my uh, favorite multiplayer game of 2017. I kind of took the same tact as you did. Um, I went and I looked back and I said, what games did I have the most fun with? And which games did I stick with the longest? And for me, Splatoon 2 is the multiplayer game that I enjoyed the most. It's the most fun I had playing multiplayer. It's the most different and unique multiplayer game I played all year, despite the fact that obviously there's already one game in the series out there. Um, 
But it was one of the rare games that I played for evaluation for Game Face or for Game Evals this year that whenever I was finished and I kind of needed to move on, I wanted to keep playing it. Mm. Um, and it's well documented. I've had problems with my Switch this entire year um, where I haven't, the Joy-Cons don't stay connected. And so ultimately, that is something that kind of pushed me away from it. But I've been getting back into it now. I got a Pro Controller, and I'm going to send in my Switch and get it fixed early next year now that you know, all the games have come out or whatever. And I'll be able to play with Joy-Cons again. But uh, I've started diving back into it again. And everyone's so freaking good, I'm just getting annihilated. Because they've been playing all along. But I am still having a blast with the game. There's just nothing else like it. And uh, I feel like the, the changes and the improvements they made to the multiplayer in it were all worthwhile and smart. Um, and it's just one of those games that gets under your skin. And it, it has you pondering it when you're not playing it. It, it makes you wonder how you can get better at it. Mm -hmm. For God's sake, people, paint the spawn. Just paint. Like, paint, period, man. Everybody's so concerned about their KD and they don't want to paint, which is how you win the game. And I think that's interesting, too, watching how different people play it um, and kind of being a part of the community. Obviously, I wish the communication tools were better in the game. That's sort of one thing against it. But Curious to see when the when kind of the online for the Switch goes full-fledged in January, what how it affects this. Oh, I totally forgot. We're going to have to start paying for Switch yeah. Online play soon, which is crazy. Fun. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the crap out of Splatoon multiplayer. I did not like the campaign. Again, I felt like the campaign was an afterthought, uh, which is why I couldn't really give it uh, some other awards. But uh, for best multiplayer, that is totally my pick. It was an easy pick. Uh, and if you do not have Splatoon 2 and you have a Switch, I highly recommend picking it up. It's one of those games that you're going to get a lot of value out of, no matter how much you end up paying for it. So there you go, Splatoon 2. I'm going to try to start, try, start to try it, say it right from now on. I always say Splatoon 2 mm. instead of Splatoon 2. So yeah. there's one of my New Year's resolutions for Just next year. Saying Splatoon correctly. Yeah, yeah. Which will be probably one of the topics in our first game phase of 2018, our gaming resolutions for mm -hmm. the year. And I want to start thinking about those now. But then he's going to start calling it Pike Mine. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to our next category, which is a category that some years we don't have, some years we do. But this was a particularly strong year for the adventure genre. I feel genre. like this category is going to be around for many years to come. This genre is back with a vengeance. It really is. Indie and middleware tools yeah. have, you know, have really helped that genre come around. I think it's also been proven that you don't need a huge budget to make a great mm -hmm. adventure game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the indie stuff coming out in this genre has just been impeccable this year. It was really hard for me personally to, to uh, make a choice on this one. Also, it's a genre that's kind of near and dear to my heart. It's a genre that I think of when I think about my early days in gaming, particularly with PC gaming. Um, and so it's, uh, I think some people may maybe don't care about this genre that much, but people like us who have been playing mm -hmm. for a long time, it's kind of near and dear. Right. So it's like how, if I'm being super honest, my favorite adventure game of the year was Full Throttle Remastered, but that didn't count because yeah. it was a remaster. Right, right. But Which, if you haven't played that, go play it. It would have easily won, right? Right. If it came out this year, and it but was you, you can't new. cheat and pick like one of the greatest. Adventure games ever made right. twenty years ago. Yeah, you know that's that's not a satisfying. Thing. What does that say for the developers of that genre? Uh, it says that they've got big shoes to fill. Yeah, I think. some of the some of the most creative and most intelligent people in game development history worked at LucasArts in the heyday of their their adventure games, and it still shows. It's true. So, with all that in mind, Matt, what is your pick for best adventure game? My of pick 2017? is uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Yeah. Um, which this one, this one wasn't really fully on my radar because it kind of vanished for a while. In, you know, like like the Ethan Carter. The Vanishing Swan. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 that oh, was. yeah, I forgot about that, too. that was our previous game. <laughs> right. 
Uh, but it had some trouble with this. Kind of had to tear it apart, put it back together a few times, it sounds yeah. like. Uh, and it kind of, it just sort of took me by surprise. It came out and I was like, oh, that's out. All right, I'll play that, sure. And like, yeah, it has sort of a thing where like, you're like, is this like a sequel to Vanishing of Ethan Carter or something? But it's not. It's, it's a totally different thing. It's, um, and it's basically, uh, I mean, part of it also kind of speaks to me because I grew up near the Winchester Mystery House, which if you don't know what that is, uh, Google it. Um, but it's a weird house where thing where this crazy woman thought that if she kept building onto the house, the ghosts she was haunted by would leave her alone. And so the house is crazy. <laughs> and you can tour it now. And so it's like 90 rooms and staircases go nowhere and doors open onto op- empty space. And so it's just crazy. But like this is a similar kind of thing where this this house has been built up and built up and then like sealed up because all the people in the Finch. Uh, bloodline have died incredibly strange, like ironic deaths, basically. And as you you are the last descendant of of this clan, and you go to kind of find out your family history, and you live in kind of magical realism dream sequences, the deaths of all these you know previous relatives as you explore their rooms in the house, and every sequence has a different style of gameplay. They're all kind of like little mini games. Um, and some of the, some of them, they're all like weirdly morbid, of course, because they're, you, the end of them is dying. You die, you, your character dies in each of them. There's some really like sad ones. There's some very funny ones. There's one that is one of the best, it's late in the game and I don't want to like give it fully away, but basically with one analog stick or one, one hand, you have to do this incredibly menial task and the other hand, you have to play an action RPG. Wow. And... <laughs> It's it's like a the, the person who's doing the menial task is daydreaming about right like a fantasy world yeah. and as the fantasy world takes over more and more of the screen you have to do more and more complicated stuff while continuing to do the menial thing and it's one of the most interesting portrayals of like an everyday situation you know everyone's had that job they're bored by and have, and like kind of you know you it just becomes by rote and you just you're doing what you have to do to get paid but you're thinking your mind is completely somewhere else and it's one of the best ways of, ex- of showing that I've ever seen in any entertainment medium. It's, it's really clever. And there's a lot of that in this. And it is a little twee. And like, yeah. when, they, when they won the game award and, the, and the, the guy who made it with his wife, I guess, he, he got up and I'm like, of course that's what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> of course the guy who made this game wears a top hat. I yeah. knew that. I knew that. Um, but uh, it's really, really cool. It's, it's, you know, it's a quick like, kind of two or three hour game. Very simple. Not a walking simulator. I think no, maybe it's, it's, a lot of people have looked at this game and, and felt that's what it was, and some people are turned off by that genre, quote unquote. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a. I mean, there's walking simulator ish parts, but like the meat of the game are the mini games, and all of those play differently, and all of those test different skills if you want to get kind of the achievement for each one or whatever. But they all are interesting, and they're all like nothing else you'll play this year. Uh, the creativity on display is really impressive. Probably get it pretty cheap at this point, too, I'm guessing. I would think it'd be, yeah, it would probably be a good end-of-year pickup. I, I would guess it's going to either is or will be discounted, at least on PSN. Because uh, is, is it PlayStation only? It is. Yeah. Well, PC, I think PC as well. I think is it is. Right? A, yeah, because someone was talking about playing with a mouse. Yeah, yeah I think so it was a timed exclusive on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, if you have any, if you have the patience for a walking simulator with, like, some inventive kind of magical realist like there's actually I, I, there's a little bit of, of um like neil gaiman to this i would say it's a little like like it's hard to kind of really describe but if like if you're into it you'll get it immediately and if you're not well you played something interesting yeah <laughs> so that was that's my pick for best adventure game because it it managed to surprise me continually in a genre where i often feel like i've seen everything already 
All right, so my pick for the best adventure game of 2017 is A Night in the Woods. Um, let's see, where do I even begin with this game? I so I, I have not actually played this game. This is one of my failings of this year, is I didn't get to this one. Well, this will not be the last time I mention this game um, in, in our Game of the Year episode. So the basic premise of the game is you're this cat that you're seeing right now, and you live in this world where animals act like humans, and you've essentially dropped out of college. And you come home, nobody meets you at the bus stop to pick you up, um, and you start reconnecting with all your old friends from your hometown where you went to high school and grew up. And uh, as somebody who has moved away from where he was raised and where he was kind of went from a boy to a man and has been living in cities far away ever since, this game in particular connected with me hardcore because mm -hmm. whoever wrote this, you can tell, has been in that situation. Uh, it's very interesting, uh, the writing and how they look at what it's like to come back to a town that you used to be a big part of and you haven't been a part of. And how you see some people haven't changed, other people have. Uh, the writing in this game is absolutely amazing. And a lot like um, Edith Finch, the gameplay variety in this game is... It, it, it almost borders on action-adventure in some ways, because what you're seeing right now, there's this like isometric hack-and-slash part of the game that ends up being a significant part of the game, and it's done really, really well, and it's really challenging. But there's tons of other little gameplay elements. There's some light platforming, there's some music and rhythm stuff. You're, you like rejoin with the old punk band that you were in when you used to live there, and you start practicing with them again. Um, and then it gets into like some supernatural stuff towards the end of the game. And the story is absolutely incredible. Like the, what I just told you is really the setup. That's the first hour of the game. You getting acclimated to being back in your hometown and, and getting used to, and then you know, running into people who are like, they're still in college, but you dropped out and having that awkward conversation with people of like, why are you back here? Mm -hmm. Why aren't you at college? It, it is just an amazing, amazing adventure game. I loved every minute of it. The other thing, too, is it is, it's a big game. It took me eight or nine hours to finish this game, which is really out of the ordinary. One, for an indie game, and two, for adventure games in 2017. So I love the living tar out of this game. I highly recommend it. Um, it just came out on Xbox One. It took quite a while to uh, come out. And I think another big problem, too, why this got overlooked is when I was getting ready to put together my picks and gathering media for this episode, they've only put out like three trailers for this game Yeah, it hasn't ever, been heavily pushed. Ever. And so it was hard to gather media. I had not captured it when I played it. Mm. I didn't have time to go back and play it and to capture it. So I just had to grab the trailers that they had put out. There's hardly any. Um, so they did not market this game especially well. Uh, but hopefully word of mouth on shows like this mm. and, and other, I think it's going to get recognized in other awards around the industry yeah. as well. I Hopefully it'll give so. it like a second lease on life. Yeah. I would also say, uh, uh, like my honorable mention in this category would probably be Thimbleweed Park. That was a great one These too. Were, they, they, this, 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 yeah. The adventure genre had a good year. It did. Real good. Even, in, yep. even in a year as good as this, that genre had a good year. Absolutely. I had, a, I had trouble, but honestly, you need to play this. Yeah, it, it sounds is, like it. It is one of the best adventure games I've played in years. One of the best written games I've played in years. And again, it is huge. I can't even imagine what the script size was for this game. It must have been just thousands of pages. So there you have it. My pick for best adventure game of 2017, Night in the Woods. Uh, we're going to move on next. Our next category is best RPG, a category that gets more blurry by the year. Yeah. Because everything's like an RPG yeah, now. Yeah, the line between action, Destiny. adventure, and, and RPG is... 
becoming nothing. It, it really is just becoming the same thing. And the, the other interesting thing that I saw was if you looked at the game awards. And they had, like, best role-playing. And sometimes they had stuff like action RPGs, and sometimes mm -hmm. they didn't. Uh, but usually, like, a lot of the action RPGs were in best action game. But then in best RPG, they had Final Fantasy XV. And it's like Final mm -hmm. Fantasy XV is just is an action RPG. It's just like all these other games. It almost seemed like the Game Awards used role-playing category for best JRPG. Yeah, that was definitely... Because Persona was in there, and that is mm -hmm. probably a more traditional because it's like oh, yeah. a turn-based RPG. But uh, this is a category that is getting very murky because mm -hmm. RPG elements are creeping into everything. Mm -hmm. But for our purposes, action RPGs like Horizon and Zelda, and like you were saying earlier, games like Prey... Those games all kind of fall into the RPG category for us. So, I still would not quite put Zelda in the RPG category. Not yet. Not until they start adding some more hit points or some more, like, XP stuff. Like, part of the... That's, what, that's where the, the line breaks down. It's also like, where, you know, where does Zelda go? Because Zelda invented adventure games. You know, the, the action-adventure game is sort of begins with the original Zelda. Yeah. Has Zelda left its own genre at this point? Like... We consider it an action RPG on Sifted. Mm. Um, and any game like that, Horizon Zero Dawn, um, probably maybe even the new God of War may end up falling into that. Any game that has crafting, leveling, um, experience points, like well, see, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed Origins would be an right, action RPG. Right, that would be, but like, Zelda doesn't have ex experience points or levels. So. Right. But it has every other element of Yeah, but Zelda's still an action-adventure to me. Okay. But Breath of the Wild's still an action-adventure. Everything, everything else you're saying, yeah, I mean, and God of War, maybe. I got to... Also, a skill tree. Like, a skill yeah. tree is, a, like, if you're building the characters from me, I know you're upgrading stamina or health with, with Link or stuff, but that's not really the same thing. It's, like, yeah. custom, like, Assassin's Creed Origins is kind of the gold standard. Is like, is it an action RPG? Now it is. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have called the previous Assassin's Creed. No, that. definitely not. But Although they were one, close. They were, getting, they, were, they were inching that it, way. It was not a huge jump to get to Origins yeah. in that regard. But, like, it's also just in how they co-opted how... Witcher 3 works. I think a lot of times, and I use it as a benchmark, is like Skyrim. I'm like, if this game reminds me of Skyrim, then it's probably an action RPG. Mm. And Zelda, in a lot of ways, does remind me of Skyrim. Yeah, but you, I, for me, you have to, you have to be able to build the character in a more personalized way than you can in Zelda for it to be an RPG. Other than like all the cosmetics and whatnot. Yeah, like you have to be, you know, because Skyrim has endless trees and, and right. abilities and things, and like you know, Horizon has that, and, and Assassin's Creed has that. And I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past Nintendo to give that to Zelda moving like especially if they do like a Majora's Mask style thing right. like I could see them going full RPG with like a uh, an asset reuse like sequel ish kind of thing in two years or something which I would be interested in actually but it, it's it's a it's a more complicated category every year it yeah it gets murkier yeah. every freaking year because like now you have like puzzle RPGs and it's right. Right. It's like, where are you to draw the line? But with all that said, we wanted to kind of set that up. Matt and I both chose the same game for the winner of this one, so we mm -hmm. can say it together. The Sifted 2017 Best RPG is Horizon, Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> you guys probably know if you've been watching Game Face that I have not had time to play this all year. It has been my mission for the past week, week and a half, to play Horizon Zero Dawn. And that is exactly what I've been doing. It is an amazing, amazing game. Um, somebody asked me on Ask Shane Anything a couple weeks ago, like, what games do I play with my wife? What games <laughs> kind of have an impact? My wife loves this game. Hmm. Absolutely loves it. Like, I was just sitting playing in the living room. She was doing her thing on her computer, and she just turned around. She goes, what is this? 
Wow. And she sat there and watched... She doesn't react to that No. Hardly ever. And she just literally sat there and watched me play it for like 25 minutes. I I was like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) She hasn't paid this much attention to a video game since like Rock Band. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and I think it is one of those games that kind of has that universal appeal. The writing is amazing. The story just gets better as it goes. Yeah. I think the one thing I would say is it does start a little slow. And that's it's kind a of slow what, burn, for sure. Because that's what, kind of what happened to me with this game. It's like, okay, I'm going to get into this. I played the first couple hours of it, put it down, came mm-hmm. back again, played the next like couple hours of it, put it down. And then once I kind of got over that whole like prologue part of it, yeah. that's when it really takes life. Yeah, like you got to get to Meridian yep. before stuff starts. You really start to piece together how, what the world is, how it happened. how it, and, and it's not what you think. It's almost certainly not... The world didn't end the way you think it ends. By yeah. by the context clues you pick up, just being in the world, there's more to it than that. And I think the I think the way they constructed it was very clever. Uh, the combat in the game is amazing. Uh, it allows you to kind of tinker with it and experiment. I love the trapping aspect of this mm. game. Uh, it makes you look at the environment in so many different ways. It's like, hey, how far apart are those two trees? Can I set a trap in between those two? And it just kind of makes you look at each combat situation or scenario in a different way than you would from a lot of other games in the genre. Obviously, it's freaking gorgeous. Uh, and we'll get to that a little later in the show, our Best Graphics Award. We'll see if it if it can take that. But uh, it's a gorgeous game from both an artistic and a technical perspective. It's just the whole freaking package. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am loving Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and it's kind of funny to see. It was like our most anticipated game for for last year, and now it finally has come out, and it's, it's interesting to see that it's ultimately paid off, and it's, it was it ended up being as good a game as we hoped it was going to be. So, if you guys haven't bought or played this game yet, go get it. Yeah. Now it's got the DLC out there, and too. And if you don't have a PS4, this isn't a bad reason to have one. Nope. <laughs> Without a doubt. And it looks gorgeous on base PS4, too. You don't even mm-hmm. need a Pro, but on Pro, it's, like, mind-blowing. So, there you go. Best RPG of 2017, Horizon Zero Dawn. Next up is Best Indie Game of 2017. Uh, The first thing I want to say about Best Indie Game of any year is that (laughs) there is no definitive answer. It is impossible to play not just every indie game, Mm -hmm. but every good indie game. Right. It's just, there are two, and this is, I'm actually... And then to compare them. Yeah. Like, because they're so varied. Like, you know, indie games can be just about anything today. Yeah. It's and not like you're just comparing a bunch of things that were made by people that like the 16-bit era anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like if these things go all of them. Our, our two are like as different as you can be. Yep. And, I mean, if you look at the indie landscape, like right now the most popular indie game on the market is a game where you play as a guy in a pot with a sledgehammer who's trying to climb up. Like, mm-hmm. have you seen that game? Is that from the guy who made Quop? Yep. Yeah. It is like the biggest game right now for oh, streamers. It's like over the top or something like that? Like something. That? Mm-hmm. His name is actually in the title of the game. Mm-hmm. But that's like the big streaming game right now. And that game is just so bizarre and I wonder weird. if that'll be a trend going forward, like putting your name in the game title because of PUBG. It's smart. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Especially if you want to eventually maybe work at a bigger studio or whatever. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know why you would if you're successful on your own. But... But anyway, so, look, this award, either game that Matt and I give our awards to, we're not really saying this is, without a doubt, the best indie game. Mm-hmm. We're basically saying this is the indie game that we had the time to play this year that we enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that in mind, what's your pick for best indie game of 2017? Uh, my pick is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. The first triple-A indie Triple-A indie game. Triple-A <laughs> indie game, to quote Jim Sterling. Um, yeah. 
This one, I really liked it uh, just in terms of like the story it told, the way it explored kind of the mental illness aspect of things. Uh, if I was going to give a best uh, voice performance award to something this year, I mean, I also, I, I like Failsafe, and Ashley Birch did an amazing job as Aloy, but I would give it to, and I can't remember her name, but she's the one, not the main character, not Senua, but the narrator and the lead yeah, voice, yeah. the lead voice in Senua's head. Yeah. She is amazing in this game. I mean, and the, the audio, in this the audio mixing the is, yeah. <laughs> like, this is an achievement in it so really many is. ways. Yep. And you play it, and like, you would never know it was made by, you know, for that amount of money, like two, three million dollars or whatever it was. I think it was ten it was, was ten. their budget, yeah. But, you know, Still. No, no publisher, no nothing, but <laughs> yeah. it looks, you know, it looks, it can hold its own against something like God of War. For sure. And, yeah. uh, it's a satisfying game. It's, it's a pretty simple kind of combat and puzzle game at its core, but, like, it has an ambition beyond being just a game to, that's fun to play, and I think it gets there. And uh, I was really, really happy I played it. And I've always been really happy I played Ninja Theories games. Like, yeah. I think they're a good team. They got a little... Look at Flack for DMC. A little hammered but... for DMC because, you know, look, I think that game's actually the best Devil May Cry it game. It probably but, like, is, yeah. I understand why people don't think it <laughs> yeah. fits the series, but, like, you're talking about just, like, Objectively, like, it's the yeah. best game in the series, yeah. Um, I think this was a great experiment by them, and I think it all worked out very well, and uh, I, will, I will probably go back and play it again at some point when I have the time, and that is not something I do very often anymore, because there's it's so much It's to also totally unique. Like, what games focus on mental health like yeah. this one does? Yeah, we're using the, the kind of the, the lens of, like, it's, I guess it's kind of a, like Norse mythology a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's sort of like that, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, descending into the underworld thing happening here. And like, you don't quite know what's happening until you know further in. And like the, 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 the permadeath, the permadeath erase your save mechanic never came into play for me. I never died enough. I don't for think that it did happen. for most people. Um, but just kind of having the threat looming overhead. Yeah, but it just like, yeah. Some tension. yeah. I, I, I admire the balls to put that in a game in 2017. Like it's, uh, so yeah. I, that isn't a Fire Emblem game. <laughs> <laughs> And even Fire Emblem, unless you choose not to do yeah, that Yeah, it's starting to ditch it now, yeah. But, uh, no, I thought this was great. And uh, I almost did pick your pick. I mean, it was that close. But just, I really admire what they did here. And, and again, so, I can... Uh, and I thought you would cover the, yep. uh, the other game. I, I figured you had that. <laughs> and one. again, I don't think this is one of those definitive awards. No, I don't think anyone no. can really determine what the best indie game of no. any year like is if, at this like point. If, if someone was like, I'm going to play one indie game, and instead of picking this, I'm gonna, they pick your pick... I'd be like, that's ah, totally, totally fine. Yeah, absolutely yeah, fine. I get your pick as well. So yeah. uh, my choice for best indie game of 2017 is Cuphead. Uh, if you haven't played it yet, go buy the freaking game. Uh, what I love about Cuphead is it is a really challenging game. And, and, you know, in general, games like that tend to grate on my nerves after a while. But what's good about Cuphead is that the whole game is comprised of little bite-sized pieces. So... It's not like a game like, like Dark Souls, where you the save points are stretched few and far between, and you have to really commit to it to play it. What I like about this game is you can just pick it up, play one level. You can play it 50 times, and maybe you don't beat it, but you still have fun. Mm -hmm. You can put it down. You can come back. You can pick it right up and keep playing. So this has kind of turned into, like in the past, Call of Duty games have, has turned into this thing where I have 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there. I would pick it up and play, waiting for my wife to get ready for dinner or whatever. This has kind of turned into that game. Mm -hmm. I have just a little bit of time here and there that I can put into playing. This is the game I've started to pick up. I fully believe that eventually one day I will finish this game. <laughs> I, I believe it in my heart and in my soul that someday I will make it through the whole thing. I did go and watch some YouTube videos of the last couple bosses, and holy cow, maybe I won't ever finish it. Mm. Uh, but I, it's 
I feel like the difficulty is perfectly tuned and the whole game was designed around the difficulty. And that to me is when you really hit that sweet spot. And then you start talking about the art and the controls and how buttery smooth they are. And I never blame the game when I screw up in this game. It's always my fault. I've done something stupid or I just missed something. Um, Cuphead's a great game. There's a reason it's getting lots of accolades. If you haven't bought it yet, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's not on all platforms though yet, but I have a feeling probably next year you'll get this on PlayStation. Yeah, I always forget it's not on PlayStation. It's yeah, it's uh, such a it's, weird omission. It absolutely is. So there is a big market out there that has not had access to this game yet. Mm -hmm. But I have a feeling you're going to get it. I'm, I'm guessing this was just a timed exclusive. It wasn't actually a legitimate exclusive. Um, and it hasn't sold well enough that I could see Microsoft like going to them post-haste and saying, hey, yeah, here's, hey, this is ours here's some more yeah. money. We want to keep it. So I have a feeling it'll be out on PlayStation next year. Um, but it is on PC, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I have it on PC. Yeah, so some of you, I don't, it's not like demanding. You don't, you're not going to need like a, a really good card to play the game. Um, so if you have a PC and you have a decent graphics card, you can pick it up that way as well. Um, but I had a ton of fun probably with this for, Probably for a pretty good price at these, you know, presumably the Steam holiday sales coming in pretty soon. Yeah. So. I also e liked about this game, too, was that you could... It was could, also a really good gift. Yeah, it is. You could play it kind of the way you want. It's not that you have a ton of latitude in how you kind of build your abilities or whatever, but they do give you enough leniency to where you can kind of play the game the way you want to and still be successful at it. Mm. So, and obviously the art is just out of this world. Um, you know, if we had a best graphics artistic which we don't, we just have best graphics. But if we had artistic, this would probably... Yeah, this is an art design winner, for sure. For sure. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I can say about Cuphead that hasn't been said already, but it deserves all the platitudes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Cuphead, is like, just you know, watch a minute of gameplay and you get it. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you know everything you need to know about the game now. Yeah. But... Can you do it? You can, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is because the game is so cool and the graphics are so awesome... You want to see what's next. Mm -hmm. You want to see what that next boss is going to be. You want to see what that next stage is going to be. And it's so avant-garde. It's like here, of course, you're battling like against a... Is it a cash register? It's a slot machine. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Like You just never know what's going to come next in this game. And uh, I, I love it. I still love it. I'm still playing it. And I also think it's one of those indie games you'll get a lot of value out of because you're not going to beat this in a couple hours. Yeah. I, trust me on that one. It's just not going to happen. So another great year in indie games. But It's I think also a good game to like if you're into like couch co-op. It's, it's, it works for that, but it's also yeah. fun, even if you're not playing co-op on the same screen, it's fun to just like pass the controller and, okay, your turn. You try it. Yep. You know, that, it's, it's, like a, it's an old school game in that regard where I used to just take turns trying to beat that boss or that level. Yep, you're absolutely right. And I haven't got a feeling from a game like that in a long time, yeah. now that I think yeah. about it, man. It's been quite a while. So, there you go. Cuphead, my indie game of 2017. Up next, best VR game. Category we've only had. This will be the second year for mm -hmm. best VR game. And uh, I didn't play a ton of VR this I year. I didn't either. I have to admit, um, like, I, I mean, I played a good bit. Um, what I found, though... Most of it was in the first half of the year, though, yeah, I found. I've cooled off towards the second half of the year. Um, but what I found is, like, now I'm starting to get back into VR as, like, an exercise vehicle. Yeah. Mm. Like, I just bought that game Spark, which is just a very simple, like, right. kind of racquetball VR game. I mean, I'm excited for... I mean, Ace Combat 7 is kind of the biggest thing on my radar uh, for the coming year, assuming it makes it. I mean, I yeah. don't know. 
But that looks great. I can't wait to play Wipeout. Uh, or, or really sit down and get into Wipeout in VR. Barf out for um, me. <laughs> I, well, that would be. I'm also interested there because it's like um, you know, nothing. Nothing has made me nauseous in VR. So, I'm, so part of me is kind of looking. You want to test it, see like, if you can find something. I'm like, who, what, what? What's my limit? Right. Like, is Wipeout my limit? Let's find <laughs> out. Apparently, uh, who was I playing? Oh, I was talking to uh, Jeff Kanata, and he uh, he had played it at. Um, he's a, and he's a giant VR proponent. He, loves he is. VR. Yeah. And uh, he had played it at PSX. And he said in the cockpit he was fine, but he switched the, the view to third person, and instantly his whole world just went whoa. Like he, he was like, "Oh, let's get back in the cockpit." Yeah. So apparently that's the t- you know, playing wipeout in third person in VR is apparently like that's that's the uh, Dark Souls of <laughs> VR until Dark Souls comes out in VR. Yeah, I will say this before we give our picks though is that it has been a good year for VR. Yeah, I mean. I didn't expect them to have sold 2 million PSVRs. I really... That's that's a bigger number than I expected. Right. So that number was bigger than I thought, one. But two, I just really thought that because they hadn't sold that well the year before, we would not get as much good software this year as we thought. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, sure. People would back away from it. Yeah. Like, I thought beginning of the year would be great because those were already games that were announced prior and just they needed to finish them and release them. Mm -hmm. But I kind of thought towards the middle and the end of the year, they would start to fall off and we'd be stuck like with just slim pickings. That has not been the case. No. If anything, like a lot of the developers have stream. doubled and tripled down on it. So, it, and we, look, we have stuff like Skyrim coming out right now and Doom. And like you're really all starting out. to see these full-fledged games. Bethesda's, you know, Bethesda's all in. Bethesda's all in on VR and all in on the Switch. Like yeah. Bethesda's taking some risks here. And it is. You got to appreciate it. It hasn't paid off not for them. Not paying this year. off for them very well. No, but like, man, I mean, if you don't have Prey, like you missed a real good game. Yeah. Well, I mean, now they can probably buy it for ten bucks. Yeah, whatever, exactly. It's so. like it's real cheap now. So. It works out for the consumers. Throw not Beth- so much throw for Bethesda. Throw Bethesda some bones in the Steam sale this this yeah. this Christmas. I'm saying, like, they they put out some good stuff and everybody just ignored it. Yeah, and they deserve better. So Linda Carter wants you to play these <laughs> yeah. games. That's funny. Uh, And the problem is, is, you know, people say, oh, I don't want single-player games to go away. Well, here you have Bethesda. here you are. And nobody's supporting them. And if you don't support them and buy those games, they are going to go away. And it's not like they're bad. I mean, I haven't played Evil Within 2, so I don't know. I have. uh, I mean, it's good. Prey Prey and uh, also Prey, one of the best soundtracks of the year. Yeah. And, and, And that's a secret. Almost. Yeah, yeah, no right. one, no one paid attention. Uh, Dishonored Two was good. I mean, they don't put out bad games. No. Bethesda, it typically releases high quality games, whether you like them or not, or they're your thing. That's whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, you can't deny the quality of their products in general. So, anyway, now that we've preached to try to get you to go buy Bethesda's <laughs> games, let's, let's give let's... our picks for the best VR game of 2017. Matt, what did you choose? Uh, not a Bethesda game. <laughs> um, Star Trek Bridge Crew. Yeah, no surprise. I mean, no there. surprise. That was my favorite thing at E3 the year before. Yeah. Uh, is what I was waiting for, and uh, <laughs> and this is kind of why. I mean, come on, people. It's it was a ton of fun. I didn't play it as much as I would have liked because setting setting all this stuff up and and you know glasses in the head thing, and the other headset and playing it. But like, but like what I did play for about a week, I really really enjoyed, and uh, it's like nothing else giving you the sense of place. Of being in this Star, I mean, I'm not even a huge Star Trek fan, but this like made me geek out in a way. I mean, I don't know what else you do. I mean, maybe you could make like a Star Wars game that's like th- this, but the Millennium Falcon yeah, cockpit. Yeah. But like the co- the cooperation of it, and like if you got a good person who was like the and wasn't doing this all day with the, <laughs> with the fingers, um, but was like you know a good captain that could like you know you know synthesize everything and tell everybody what they needed to do like and, and anticipate stuff and like everybody knew how all the controls worked 
like it was it was like nothing. It was like it was that you know what it was like. It was like playing like a really great game of rock band when yeah. every when everybody's on. You yeah, know? and every, the song's going perfect, and you got yeah. all those people working in harmony. I think the other thing about it too is that at least for me personally, ever since I started thinking about the reality of VR and it becoming mm-hmm. a reality, the thing I always thought about was Star Trek. Yeah, in the holodeck. Holodeck. Like yeah. that's what everybody was. Always, uh, when are we gonna get a holodeck from? And here we have like. For me, one of the most groundbreaking VR games ever ended up being a Star Trek game. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing about it is you don't really have to care about Star Trek to enjoy the game. No. It helps. It helps. Like, it helps to be like, oh my god, look, I see, you're seeing the thing and all this stuff. But like, just the, I mean, just the experience of kind of like doing these little things and everybody work. It's, it's that thing where everybody's working together to the same goal. And if you get the right group together, it's just... It's magic, yeah. and it's, it's fantastic. And it, it's, it'll, make, it'll make you a believer in the VR thing. As as a tool for more than just a game you've played before, but in three now in VR, you know? yeah. Like this is a thing that only would really work either if you built a full size bridge or you did it in VR. Well, and I think what we've discovered. I'd is, rather do it in VR because I don't have room for a bridge. Yeah, <laughs> so. I think what we've discovered is that the most powerful thing about VR really is its social element. Yeah, being there, knowing that that's another human behind that avatar. And being able to interact, wave, right. and sort of like point at things. Yeah, like there's a lot of like so there's a lot of sign language happening yeah, in in there. It's, it's just so bizarre how simple things like that in VR can be so rewarding. Mm-hmm. And this game is kind of the the amalgamation of all that. So, yeah, I, this was probably my second pick, but it was mm-hmm. not my first pick. And my pick for best VR game of 2017 is Resident Evil Seven. Um, and I think to me. The, the reason I chose it is because I think it's, one, the best game overall that was playable in VR. I mean, obviously, now you have Skyrim, and you've mm-hmm. got Fallout and things yeah, like that. Yeah, they weren't designed for it. This and was... they were also just ports of other right. games. This game was built from the ground up for VR, and it is absolutely terrifying. I mean, if you think about VR, what the big difference is between playing a game in VR or just playing it in 2D on a regular television, it's that immersion. It's being put, it's being put in that place in time and it being convincing and uh, the situations that this game puts you in it, it's almost like i couldn't take it at times hmm. um and look it's obviously not for everyone not everyone likes horror games not everyone likes to be scared and this game will scare the living crap out of you particularly the first like four or five hours of it it does kind of smooth out um, become a more typical action adventure game or survival horror game if you will towards the end but the first handful of hours with this game in vr are some of the most affecting hours of playing video games that I've had in a really, really long time. And on top of that, ultimately, it just ends up being a good Resident Evil game that's completely different. It took the series in a different direction. Uh, It's up for debate whether most people are going to want it to continue in that direction. I, for one, would be totally fine with it. Um, But I think back, I look across this year, this is one of the games that has stuck with me for the entire year. It came out earlier. I think it'll get lost in the shuffle in a lot of awards, but uh, to me, I think Capcom. This one really does fall victim to the too early in the year. It really does, because it was, yeah. Well, it was January, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people maybe wrote it off because they're like, oh, it's a PlayStation VR game and I don't have PlayStation VR, even though you could play this game without it if you yeah. wanted to. Uh, I don't recommend that. Like, I recommend, you know, try if you can, if you know you're getting PlayStation VR, to wait and play it with, uh, with PSVR. Uh, but it also is far, definitely well worth playing if you don't have it. It is a great a survival horror game, no matter what medium you play it through. So, uh, for me... It, it, this was actually a pretty a pretty easy pick. I love Star Trek Bridge Crew and had a blast with it, but uh, I just felt like this was the most full-featured, obviously built from the ground up, um, and ultimately a really good game whether you play it in VR or not. So that's my pick.
And next up is the category that we spoke about earlier when we were talking about RPGs that has all but gone away at this yeah. point. Yeah. Just finding nominees for action adventure, which used to be the biggest genre in the industry by a mile. Everything was an action adventure mm-hmm. not that long ago. Has become really, really difficult. I mean, if we had to, like back at GT, we would do five nominees for each category and then pick a winner. We could even do that with this genre, really, this year. I mean, finding five nominees that are worth giving a nomination to. Is- yeah, you'd have to cross some lines here and there. You'd have to probably pull Zelda in. You'd probably have to pull, like, a couple platformers in. Yep. And sort of fudge that. You know, it's, <laughs> yep. it's, it's weird. Yeah, so it's a, it's a dying genre. And maybe next year we don't even Damn, have Damn, you experience points. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe next year we don't even really have this category. This may be the last year we ever pick Best Action Adventure. Uh, but we're going to do it one last time for 2017. So, Matt, what is your choice? Uh, my choice is oh, let me see. Oh, yeah. uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy, it's a good uh, pick. which is a turnaround from, the, from Uncharted 4, which I did not like much at all uh, last year. Um, but I thought they, this was a return to form, uh, and I like Chloe a lot, and uh, obviously this focuses on Chloe, so it's her, it's her story for the most part. And um, I liked how it unfolded, I liked the mystery thereafter, I liked the relic stuff they're going for, I liked learning more about her, and, and you know, the, the gameplay was more straightforward, or less, less kind of like, you know, dicking around with Sam Drake and driving Jeeps. I mean, there is some of that, but it, it didn't feel as aimless. They also did tweak it a little bit, yeah. as far as, like, what the, I mean, it's a, I wouldn't call it an open world game. But no. they do inch a little closer to that in this DLC. Yeah, it, do, it does the same thing that uh, Uncharted 4 did, where, like, you have, oh, here's a big open place in a Jeep, and you have to go to the different places there and, and find stuff. And this was a little more uh, optional than that, because yeah. like, Uncharted 4 sort of drove you to each place. Yep. And this one is, like, you have to go to this place, but if you go to all these other ruins, you can get the optional stuff and get a cool thing, like a, uh, the, the bonus item, basically. Yeah. And that was nice. You know, it, it all it felt a little more like I was in control, and I felt like Uncharted Four was just sort of pulling me along. No, you're too right. Much. Absolutely. And the big finale it gives you the player a little more agency. Yeah, and know? the big finale is really cool. Uh, I actually think there's a big the big finale on a train, which I think actually outdoes Uncharted 2's train sequence in a lot of ways. Um, which is them's fighting words, yeah. Kyle. <laughs> well, I, Uncharted 2's train sequence is one of the most impressive things ever made. Ever made in and, the medium, yeah. And this one kind of ups that in some places, and maybe it doesn't quite get there in in terms of investment, in terms of the character, because you know, like the the build on why you're doing what you're doing in Uncharted 4 is probably a little more compelling than what's happening in this one. But technologically, it's you know they're they're taking what they learned in two and you know plussing it you know giving it yeah. giving it another level to it and it, it's really really cool really impressive uh and it actually i really enjoyed having um uh well what's is it Nadine, what's her name nadine yeah uh, her she feels about sam drake the way i do and so that was a very vindic- <laughs> vindicating ex- yeah. not vindictive vind- also vindictive but vin- yeah. vindicating experience where like you find out that she just hates him, yeah. and I'm just like, I'm right there with you. Like, and so that was that was a lot of fun. It was it, yeah. it acknowledged. It, I felt like it was acknowledging a couple of the shortcomings of Uncharted Four and kind of bringing it back to the Indiana Jones style spectacle. And uh, I I really appreciated what they did with this game. Gorgeous, beautiful. Still, beautiful that game. engine is just a beast. Um, Beautiful environments. There's like moments where uh, where Chloe just goes like, "Wow!" And, like, and you're going, on, "Wow!" too. You know, like, look at the lighting on her scarf there. How yeah. it affects the light is creating shadows on the yep. scarf. And now like, she's in a, sh- a shadow, and like it changes the color of the scarf yeah. because of the yeah, it's <laughs> Naughty Dog is uh, wizards. They don't, they don't call them Naughty Gods for nothing. That's true. Yep. So uh, that's your pick. 
my pick for best action adventure, and Matt mentioned a little bit earlier, a little bit of foreshadowing to my pick for this. I didn't actually even think of that when I said that. I was thinking about like ukulele or something. Yeah. Crap. Well, yeah. I we because this category is kind of thin for 2017, and not not just this year, but other years as well. I did actually slide in something that maybe you guys may not agree with being in this category, but my pick for best action adventure for 2017 is Super Mario Odyssey. Um, there's no way we're going to have a 3D platformer category. Right. Although, if we were going to have one, this year may have been the year where we might have been able to make it happen. Yeah, but, you know... Like, there's a hat in time. But, you know, Super this Lucky's game tale. really does, like, blur the boundary between platformer and action adventure in a way I don't think any other Mario game, at least 3D Mario game, has. Yeah, this has actually has a lot more adventure in it than yeah. a lot of prior Marios. Where a lot of Mario games, you just kind of have that hub that connects all the levels together... This does feel more like an organic sort of living mm -hmm. world than prior 3D Especially Mario Especially the post-game. Yeah. And, I mean, and to be perfectly honest with you, there's no way I was going to be able to do a Best of 2017 without being able to find some way to recognize this game um, in a genre category. Uh, we're gonna, we weren't going to have a 3D platformer category, uh, so I squeezed it in here. Hate really, either this or Best Mario game. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hate me all you want. This game is freaking awesome. I love it. I am still playing this game. Um, I think I said prior on Game Face that it may be the first Mario game. I don't get 100%. That, I may end up doing that now. I may make it. Uh, uh, and Matt had some criticisms of it that, you know, that it does kind of cheapen uh, the, the sense of accomplishment you get when you used to get a star or something in other 3D Mario games because they do kind of give away the moons all willy-nilly. But when you start diving into this game, man, you start finding moons that you definitely get the sense of accomplishment when you get them, man. Because some of them are really, really freaking challenging. And in some ways, almost like impossibly frustrating. Um, but again, as with this genre, in a lot of cases, the gameplay variety in this game is just all over the map. And all of it just feels perfect and works great. Um, this is a really disturbing sequence. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. This whole frog... Tube, this like. is also the sequence that will send up the uh, content flags on YouTube, which yeah. means we won't be able to monetize this episode, but whatever. Uh, this being is, sucked this into is a the game of the year award, damn it. And if I cannot show Super Mario Odyssey when I give it an award, then I don't know what to say. It's like, what? Even then, Nintendo's going to take the money for us giving its game an award. But, uh, but yeah, Super Mario, if you haven't played it yet or you decided maybe you burn out on 3D Mario games and you have a Switch, Go buy the freaking game. Like, no matter what kind of game yeah, you're I'm not into. even a huge proponent of this game. I, I, I felt it was pretty average for the most part to me. But if you have a Switch, get you, off your what ass. What are you thinking? Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's, this, that and Zelda are the stars of that, that system by, by far. And I'm also, like, a weird outlier with this game. So, mm -hmm. like, if you have that system, get it. If you're getting that system for Christmas, ask, ask for this for game it. with it. If, yeah. you, if you know someone who's getting this game, this system for Christmas, buy this game for them. For, I mean, yeah. if they don't already have it. The other know? thing about it, too, is that when you actually finish the single player, like, you're just getting started. Oh, yeah. Mario, I think modern Mario games are all like that. the surface of, like, the game when you're, if you finish, like, yeah, the I mean, campaign. Mo a game, Mario games have been like that, I would say, since, like, New Super Mario Bros. 1. Like, yeah. you finish the main game, and I was like, oh, you think you're done? Oh. No. In this here's game, another, you're Here's not a whole other game. Here's all these different challenges. Here's purple coins. Here's, you know, and this game, like, you should, I mean, really the best way to play Odyssey is uh, to beeline the story and then go back, go back. and... You know, explore all the worlds thoroughly. Because there's another part. The, the other part of that is that there are some things that you can't. They won't let you do until, until you finish that, yeah. the campaign. Uh, so yeah, I would. I highly recommend yeah. that. Just beeline it. Get the minimal amount of moons you need to go to each level. 
finish mm-hmm. the quote unquote campaign and then dive into really what the game is. And um, then uh, and put on his uh, Mario's like Chicago gangster suit. Yeah. And play the whole play the rest of the game because that's he looks real natural in <laughs> he that. Really like does. I, I think he well he is Italian. <laughs> But uh, the value you get out of this game is just insane. And you're never doing the same thing for very long. Uh, You know, we've been doing a lot more streaming this year than we have in prior years. And you start to figure out, like, what games work on streams and what games don't. And this game works really well on a stream because you're never doing the same thing for very long. And if you do get tired of something and you're like, oh, I tried this five times and I couldn't get it. And maybe the people on the stream are getting restless. That's okay because... 30 virtual yards away, there's another moon that you can go for where you're doing something completely different. Um, so I highly recommend this game. I can't imagine there are too many people that haven't bought it already, and they're, I'm just preaching would, to the choir. Yeah, I would imagine it's mostly just people that have their, you know, the switches on their Christmas list. Yeah, they're, they're just waiting. waiting. Well, I'll say this. You're going to be very happy on uh, Christmas morning or whatever you celebrate uh, when you crack this baby open yeah. and put it in your I switch. will say as someone who was you know more lukewarm on this game, the thing that kept me playing is like even... you know. About every two or three worlds, something really cool would happen. Yeah. And, like, I was getting, like, early on I was getting a little tired right around the time I got to New Donk City. And the New Donk City, uh, like, the first thing you do there I thought was not all that engaging. But then there's the, the you know, the famous concert thing that we have to yeah, have yeah. that happen. And that's, that is a great damn it's sequence. It's a great moment, it's a, yeah. It's a great, like, celebration of, of Mario and it's kind of, it, it feels like... It feels like this, you know, because games don't really do that much anymore. It's like, let's just have a, have fun. Let's just have a good time with this thing and, like, give the player a reward for being part of this. And well, it, it also, feels really good. It also has kind of that Zelda element to it where just messing around with stuff and looking around and poking mm-hmm. around and trying your abilities out in different places will unveil some really cool kind of hidden stuff. So um, I think when I finished this, quote, unquote, finished the campaign, I literally was, I had one-ninth of the total moons (laughs) in the game. So it is absolutely gigantic. You'll definitely get your money's worth. You'll definitely have some... How many of those moons You'll definitely have some camera problems here and there. (laughs) How many of those moons were gotten by butt-stomping a molehill? Not that many, honestly. 80 or 90. I think that's the other thing, too, is when you get farther into the game, they don't give away the moons as easy. Mm -hmm. Like, you go to each level, maybe there's one that's just sitting there, whereas in the beginning there's, like, three or four. Yeah, early in the levels, you're, like... You have more moons than you need to get out of the level, but like just by like going where you need to go, like yeah. it's just because also because you know if you're like me, you see anything that looks even vaguely out of the ordinary, you're like I gotta mess with that, you yeah. know, and then it's you know, always it's a moon, like yeah. it's, you're gonna get a moon out of it. And, that does uh, change as the game goes yeah. on, though. They make you earn them a little more. But uh, another thing about this game, a great game for any age. Yeah, you know. We're older and we enjoy it. You don't have to be a kid to really enjoy this game. So, yeah, but I think kids will enjoy it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You buy this a kid this for Christmas, you won't see him for like a month. <laughs> Literally, you give him this and put him in his bedroom with his switch. You won't see him until you force him to come out of his bedroom. Or Guaranteed. Her. Or her. Exactly. Good point. All right, let's move on to the next category. Uh, this is an oldie but a goodie best strategy game. Um, this was a little thin. Mm-hmm. I had problems finding good nominees and picks for this category. Yeah, and I am deficient on this one because I have not actually played the XCOM 2 expansion. Yeah. Which... I try to stray away from just giving awards to expansions. Yeah, so. but I liked XCOM 2 so much. Yeah, it was yeah, my, it was I my pick it. last year. Yeah. I was like, so I feel like I at least should have 
gotten around to it to kind of know it wasn't what it's I was a big make. commitment though yeah it is but it's such a it's such a game changer literally on that game it really changes how you play it but i just haven't had time to sit down with it Th- that and divinity original sin 2 are my two big gaps and that's like a strategy rpg it's a straight rpg it's a turn-based yeah. rpg yeah it's uh it's and the first ones i love the first one very much I'll, I'll get to it i swear i'll get to it but it's just there's I have only feeling, so many hours in the year yeah i have a feeling that that's going to be a gaping hole for a lot of awards this yeah. year because well, it's, it's like, pc only it's pc only it's a gigantic game it's going to take you a long time mm-hmm. to finish it um and, and there's a little bit of reticence i've seen from people that are like well i haven't played the first one so you don't need to play the first one play the second one. But yeah. Everyone I know who's played it's like, if you've never played the first one, just jump in. Just yeah. jump into the second one, it'll be okay. Like It's, it's not... my, it's hands down my biggest regret of 2017 yeah. is not playing that game. Everybody who I have a lot of respect for as far as when I talk games with somebody mm-hmm. and they tell me they really like something, I'm like, oh, I'm checking that out. Yeah. I've never everybody heard, I yeah. know like that says this is like one yeah, of the top I, games. I don't know me. anyone who came back from it being like, Meh. Like everyone's yeah. just like, no, it's awesome. Yeah. So it's just, it's that's. I'm that's, glad we've managed to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Um, in the show, at least, to let people know that it's something that they should absolutely look for. Maybe they get a discount over the next couple of weeks for the holidays. Yeah. I, or ask talk, for it for a Christmas gift. Yeah. Even talking about it like this is going to push me into into grabbing it probably over the over the holidays during the Steam sale. Um, you can do worse. I so. wish it was available for Switch. So I could take it with me on the holidays well, and they play. Did, they got a console version of uh, of the first one out like a year later or something. Like I, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me to see it come to, to consoles next year, sometime. I, I highly doubt Switch though. Probably not Switch. <laughs> I mean, no. I'm it's, just saying like it would be great if I could have taken that with me for all the flights mm-hmm. and all the trains and everything I'm going to be doing over the next couple weeks. But well, it is what it is. Yeah. I still got another 500 moons in Mario or whatever. <laughs> I got plenty to keep me busy with my Switch over the holidays. So. With all that out of the way, what is your pick for best strategy game of 2017? Uh, my pick is uh, Fire Emblem Echoes. All right. Um, Shadows of Valentia. Valentia, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm a, I mean, I'm a general Fire Emblem fan anyway, but like... Me too. Thought, and this, and I, I've never played the original game this is based on, you know, because this is based on one that didn't come to the U.S., I think. And uh, I really like it. Like, it's... I mean, it's just Fire Emblem. This like, game did not who uh, like Fire Emblem? help me this year in the Fantasy League the way Fire Emblem did the year before. No, I, I didn't <laughs> think this was going to be quite the, the I don't know, the darling that the previous one was. But yeah. I did enjoy it a lot. I didn't like it as much as Birthright, and uh, but I did like it. Um, it's different. I mean, it is. They they handle things differently in this game from other Fire Emblem yeah, games. Yeah, which I appreciate. It's a little and, more traditional as yeah. far as like, and it almost has almost like action adventure elements and a vibe to it here and there. And it's it's got a little bit of a rote story with the you know oh the, the two kids grew up together and now they're on opposite sides and they're like oh, 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 you know, but, <laughs> but at least the characters are likable and it kept me playing and the the scenarios are cool and it was a, a better treatment of the franchise than Fire Emblem Warriors. So. That's 100%. <laughs> if we had like the little 100 emoji, yeah. I would have it right up on the screen right now. I totally agree with that. Uh, but like I said, it was kind of slim pickings for strategy this year. Uh, and my pick for best strategy game is Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. This is not a full-throated, full-hearted award that I'm giving here. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the game. Um, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as a lot of the critics did. Though I am impressed that a collaboration between a publisher like Ubisoft and Nintendo that the game turned out this good. Um, A lot of times when you develop a Nintendo property out of house, it doesn't really have that special sauce to it. Mm -hmm. This one absolutely does, though. 
you would you could never you never know this was not created by Nintendo and if it didn't have sort of Ubisoft's logo Ubi- on the box and Ubisoft's slightly raunchier sense of humor. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a, a couple goes a couple places. I was surprised at, but the Nintendo. Yeah. Gave the thumbs up for Mario to be a Absolutely, but, but. yeah. I mean, they definitely took some risks with the brand with this game. But I think that was important was to kind of let Ubisoft's personality come through a little bit. It mm-hmm. is Rabbids as well. It's not just a Mario yeah, game. Yeah, you know what you're, you know what they're signing up for. They yeah. put Rabbids in something. But I was pleasantly surprised by the depth in this game. Uh, one thing I would say is I thought the tor- tutorials in this game were not great. I didn't feel like they explained kind of the more advanced techniques mm-hmm. in the game well. Well, also, they're really so simple that you don't learn anything, yeah. really. Yeah. It's not until World 2 that you start to sort of see the potential, and then the, the World 3, I think, they really start throwing some challenges at you for the most part. Um, I liked it. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as Fire Emblem, probably because Fire Emblem's kind of got that comfort food thing yeah. going, where it's something I've I know and I'm, you know, just something I can pick up and play whenever I want to. Um, this one I fell out of about halfway through the game. Uh, but this like, is a good portable game too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but it's also also it's like you can just put it to sleep and come back and take your legit, turn. It's legit. It's not baby's first strategy game. No, huh? You know, it gets hard at the end. Yeah, and the challenges you can do, like optional challenges, like those are some real maps. Yep. they're thrown at you. Seri- yeah, for for sure. There's some serious parts of the game, so it does have that traditional Nintendo aesthetic of anybody can pick up and play it, pick it up and play it. But there's stuff in there for the people who want to mm-hmm. get really good and can kind of hone their skills. And it's also easily the most polished and robust strategy game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the presentation in the game is great. I think it's really nice looking. Like, yeah, it's just so definitely. clean. I mean, yep. they, they take advantage. They, they know the limits of the Switch, and they stay within it, but they make it look really clean and really crisp. Yep. And it just all the characters pop, and it, it just looks great. I think in a better year, it probably would not have won this award for me. But it has been a slim a year of slim pickings for uh, strategy games for 2017, mm-hmm. and so. There you have it, my best strategy game of 2017, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Uh, next up, best fighting game. I don't think we even had this category last year, was it? Or was it the year before? Uh, this category comes and before. goes. Yeah. It was, it was a couple things last year. Yeah. But this category tends to come and go. You'll have a good year of mm-hmm. fighting games, then you have an off year. This was a pretty good year. Here and there. A couple this is, disappointments. This is the only one that came to mind when I thought best. Yeah. No. Like, oh, was, yeah. This was an easy choice. Yeah. Um... Well, okay. Well, let's make our picks. Because yeah. for this one, we both picked the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, the Sifted best fighting game of 2017 is Injustice, Injustice 2. 2. Um, I actually did have some problems picking Injustice 2. Purely because I actually enjoyed playing Tekken more than playing mm. Injustice 2. But when you really look at all the work that went into Injustice 2 and how robust it is and how great the single player is, it's an easy choice. Mm-hmm. Well, um, also, I, it's an easy choice for me because I don't like Tekken. Yeah. And uh, I was very... In the end, after spending more and more time, I was very let down by Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Yeah, I think everybody and, was. Um, it's on sale now. Like, and Evo really is sale. like... Yeah. Evo's like not going to put it... They're teetering on whether they want to put it in or not. Oh, it'll be in. Capcom, Capcom will Capcom make sure it's in. Yeah. To make sure it's in. I mean, there's no possible way. Yeah. But like, I, but that I, came fact, out this week, though. But the fact that any they're even having that discussion is telling. Yeah, for sure. Um, that they would have it publicly. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if they can turn. You know, we'll see if interest uh, in with Infinity War around May can turn around some some mainstream casual interest in in that game. But Injustice Two, in the flip side of how the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and how the uh, Justice League League movie worked out this year. 
they went above and beyond. I mean, NetherRealm has really got this formula down with like you know yeah. giving you a ton of single player content, giving you you know robust online options, relevant you, single player content. Yeah, single player content you actually want to play. Yeah, and I mean this this is like you know the, the story mode in this plays out like a pretty decent. DC animated directive a DVD movie. Yeah, you know, it's like there's, that's a good way to describe it. Like there's some there's production value here. There's there's you want to see what happens next. There's some nice there's some good dialogue here and there. Uh, everybody looks great. They've upped their game on the faces uh, by far. Uh, their their female characters don't look like some kind of strange like monstrosity anymore. I mean, you look at some of the screenshots of Injustice One's Wonder Woman, and this is like, how did that get approved? But like, yeah. every, everybody looks pretty good in this. The other thing too is Injustice One that was improved for Injustice Two was ultimately you have to get to the fighting. Yeah. How do you go? How do you transition from like a cutscene to a fight, a two D fight in a video game without it seeming weird? And in the first game, it was weird. Like the the way they wrote the story, it just didn't make sense that, hey, all of a sudden these two are fighting. They did a much better job of that in, in mm-hmm. Injustice 2. Just creating a scenario where you're like, okay, they probably should fight now. Whereas in the first game, I felt like, okay, we're going to fight now? What? Like, they did manage to improve it in pretty much every conceivable way from the first game. And in all honesty, the first game was fighting game of the year when it came out. So I think my one fear is, like you said... NetherRealm kind of has this template now, this pattern, and I hope that it gets a little more brave maybe with the next one and doesn't mm-hmm. just kind of fall back on its laurels of what it's created before. But the truth of the matter is if they made an Injustice 3 that was just like Injustice 2, it probably would still be the best fighting game of whatever yeah. year it and came all, out. And I mean, these games... I mean, it's, they're so far ahead of yeah. everybody well, else. And also, NetherRealm's fighting games, both these and Mortal Kombat, they sell so much more than anything, any, anything else in the genre right now. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Like, it's it's... Especially considering, like, maybe 10 years ago, like, NetherRealm was a non-factor. Yeah. Like, the Mortal Kombat games were jokes. I mean, they, it, you know, the series basically disappeared for almost a generation. And then, like, I think these guys have, have just turn, I, turned, their, turned the company and turned their, their approach to everything around in a way that I would never have predicted. It's, a, it's one of the success stories of, of, uh, of the industry, I, I think, of the last 10, 15 years. I still would argue, though, that NetherRealm doesn't really get the respect in the competitive space in the esports space no this this game was better received than their previous ones I yeah think. but they still aren't taken seriously as like a top tier fighting option in the tournament space and yeah. i'm not sure why that i mean some of it is because there is a lot of exploitable stuff in their uh, in in the games but like and and it's a little less uh it's a little stiffer still than like a street fighter would be or or, a, or even a tekken um, there's a little more player expression available in the place. I think it's always going to be that way too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, there's always going to be people that like their animation style is is a certain way, and it either works for you, it doesn't, and it doesn't for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think they've gotten a lot better, but there's still there's still room for improvement, and maybe they'll get there with the next Mortal Kombat, which is probably coming up. Yep. Um, Hell, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing him tackle Marvel, uh, uh, Mortal Kombat versus DC again. Yeah, just to for see, sure. See what happens. Yep. But, but uh, I think it was an easy pick for best fighting yeah. game. It was, nothing else really came to mind. Yeah. Like I me. said, I enjoyed the fighting in Tekken better because I am an old Tekken player. I've been playing Tekken since mm-hmm. man the '90s. So um, I do kind of prefer the speed and the pace of that a little bit more. But when you really look at the games on a whole, it's not even close. It's Justice Two by a landslide. So. 
Let's see, what's up next? I think we're starting to get, yeah, we're getting out of the genre stuff. We're starting to get to some of the more fun awards. Uh, and our next award is the one that people will probably argue over the most. Yeah. And that is the best platform of 2017. So this is, what was the best console, PC, was it mobile? No. No. <laughs> no. But uh, it's the best platform for 2017. Generally, when we look at this category, uh, we put a lot of weight in exclusives. Mm-hmm. It's like, what games could you only play on that platform? In a lot of ways, that's kind of how, at least that's how I make my decision usually, provided that platform has adequate third-party support. Um, and most do mm-hmm. in 2017, thankfully. Even the Switch is kind of starting to get there. So this is also a category where we have chosen the same winner. Mm-hmm. So the Sifted 2017... You're surprised that I... Yeah, you picked the same thing I did. Yeah? Yeah. So... Our picks for the best platform of 2017 is PlayStation, PlayStation 4. 4. Yeah. My pick last year was Xbox One, remember? Yeah, mine was and PC. And PC, yeah. Uh, but this year for PlayStation 4, I mean, look, everyone's going to see this and immediately say, but what were the great first-party exclusives that came out for PS4 this year? Uh, Horizon. Yeah. Uncharted. Uh... Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been kind of a slow year for first party stuff, but mm. that's the whole point. The third parties pitched in with exclusives this year. Huge freaking exclusives, mm-hmm. like Persona 5. Yep. That's and a gigantic it's game. a big that- one. And, like, I mean, I look at, you know, because you've got that line, you know, the horizontal line of games and you're in, you installed on your system yep. and you go up to where the library. And every time I scroll down that, I'm just like, man, there's a lot of good shit there. It's like, it's. Yeah. I mean, even it's like third part. I mean, a lot of it's Ubisoft games because I don't trust Ubisoft games on the PC until they've been out for like a year. Right. You know, like there's just a, I will not buy a PC version of a Ubisoft game at launch. Yeah. That's just how I am. I buy it on PC. I think most people feel that way. So I've had a great time playing tons of stuff on that system. And like, uh, I thought you might pick the Switch. Nope. Um, I think a lot of people are going to say we should have picked the Switch, but I. But I don't think you don't think so. I don't think you can. I, I mean, the Switch had. It ain't the platform, it's the games in right. that case. It's like, yeah, there's two big, Two amazing games. amazing games. There is no denying it. Two but the platform games. doesn't even work yet fully. So call me when the online's up. But, I mean, it's not even if you just look at games, though. It, yeah. It's, the Switch had two amazing games on it. The PlayStation 4 had dozens of amazing mm-hmm. games. Near Automata. Yeah. Did that come out on PC as well? Yeah, I played it on PC. Yeah, but that, again... You but it, actually, the P- PS4 port, uh, version was better. Because yeah. the PC version has a lot of problems. Um, again, again, like PlayStation, I end up playing stuff on PlayStation Four a lot because the PC version is a mess or it's and, work, and you're yeah. like, I don't really want to work to get this to play right. Yeah, and it's. I mean, I've spent so much time tweaking the PC version in your automata, uh, automata to work properly, and using like fan patches and things to get it, get it to run smoothly. There was like, a lot of a hitching problem, and it's like uh, other people are like, oh, I have it on PS Four. I just like put it in and played it, and it's just like, yeah, I should have done that. Yeah. The fact that you can go to the PS4, especially the PS4 Pro, and get like a, a, a you know a solid experience without that kind of worry about you know is is this game going to work even? It's not worth the hassle. It's Dis- not. Dishonored Two is a similar thing. I, mean, I yeah. barely got to play Dishonored Two back when it came out because the PC version didn't work. Right. Yeah. So the PS4 really, uh, you know, as, even as someone with a big gaming rig who like loves to play stuff on the PC, like PS4 delivered for me this year. Well, all the th- look, all the third-party stuff, at least as far as consoles are concerned, in a lot of cases, like you said, with PC, play the best on PlayStation yeah. 4. And that might be sh- might be shifting with the Xbox One X. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We'll, we might and we'll see how reconsider that goes. when that happens. 
But, I mean, you also start to look at a lot of games that people will ignore on PlayStation 4, like Gran Turismo Sport and Everybody's Golf. Mm -hmm. Like, those are games that people play, and they're good games that you can only buy on that platform that people will get dozens and dozens of hours of play mm -hmm. out of. It's just, it's an accumulation effect. And this is what always happens with PlayStation platforms. By the time they get to this point in their lifespan, it's just software a go-go. There's games coming from every publisher, every developer. All the indie stuff always releases on PlayStation 4, other than the stuff that Microsoft actually pays for. But look, there's tons of indie stuff that only has come out for PC and PlayStation 4 this year. Um, so to me, two absolutely incredible games, don't get me wrong, Zelda and Mario are incredible games. But two incredible games cannot overcome one incredible game and dozens and dozens of other amazing games. I think it's just an accumulation effect over the year. It's been a great year for PlayStation 4, and next year is going to be even better. Um, it was unfortunate that Sony this year did not have more sort of very top-shelf exclusives, first-party-wise, mm -hmm. for PS4. Um, but the, again, the third parties chipped in with games that you can only buy on that platform. Uh, there's a fighting game too that was only available for PlayStation 4. Or maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. I don't know. Um, I thought there was. I thought there was a fighting game that was only available. There's a couple like anime uh, kind of things, like Aqua and all that stuff too. All the Japanese like that. stuff that we don't care about that much, but a lot of people I mean, do. Persona 5 is a strong argument. It is for sure. So that's game of the year candidate on a lot of ballots, yeah. and it was exclusive to PS4. So. Yeah, I know. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of debate about that. Um, I just I couldn't pick Switch. I thought long and hard about it. I'm like, mm -hmm. it has two of the best games of the year, but is that enough when, for me personally, other than maybe a little Splatoon 2, a lot of it was mm -hmm. just ports from the Wii U or not a lot of great third-party support. The support that was there wasn't with a lot of the bigger games, um, or they were games that came out last year on PS4 and yeah. Xbox One. And so. I still, in the end, I still only bought four games for the Switch this year. Yeah. And they were the big... Big four? The big four. I mean, I guess the big four. I mean, Mario, Zelda, Mario, and Xenoblade. Yeah. I think a lot of people say Splatoon was one of yeah, the Yeah, well, I mean, there's Splatoon, there's Mario Kart, but, but, but really, it's that Nintendo thing of about once a quarter. Yep. You get a big release. Yep. So, there you go. Our best platform for 2017, the PlayStation 4. All right, let's move on. Next, we're going we're gonna to pick best story. And this isn't... Uh, like, the best news story. We have a category for that later on, like the mm. biggest story of the year. Uh, this is literally the best story in a video game. Uh, the, the game that has the best pros. So, Matt, what's your pick for best story of 2017? Well, a bit of a rerun here, because I picked What Remains of Edith Finch. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, we've, got, we've already been through this, but... Uh, the way the story unfolds and kind of how uh, you slowly piece together the, the history of this family, what happened to all of them why you're there, who you are, and how you got there, uh, it all comes together incredibly well. Um, it's, uh, and it does so without like being too obvious in the fact that it's imparting exposition to you. You sort of gather the pieces as you go. And uh, I, it, it was a really satisfying... It's one of those stories, like the way they tell the story, it's satisfying to, to hear the story. To, if, you just, if I was just to run down the plot points of this story to you, you would probably find it a pretty interesting story. But the way they present it to you and the way you, like, you're left to sort of figure a lot of it out on your own makes you feel really smart. And that's a fun thing. <laughs> I like and that. as an audience, as, you know, <laughs> Everyone audiences likes like that. to feel smart. So yeah. it's, it's, it, uh, it all works together really well. And uh, I highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're a story-driven kind of gamer. And I'm right there with you. My pick is exactly the same as the other yeah. category. My pick is Night in the Woods. 
Uh, I, as I said earlier, the writing in this game is actually absolutely incredible. The other thing I really like about this game's story is not only is the script good, but how they display the script in the game is mm -hmm. really good. How they use different size fonts or all caps, or yeah. the letters will shake. Yeah, Edith Finch does that too. A lot of really inventive text work. Yeah, yeah. and this game does it too. In fact, there's a boss fight in this game where you literally attack text. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but again, you know, the story. I think everybody kind of thinks, okay, this game's about this cat who comes back from college and gets used to living back in his hometown again. That's just the beginning. That's the setup for this game. This game starts to go way deep. And I think one thing I would say, too, about it is the first two-thirds of the game, there's a good mix between story and gameplay. And literally, the last third, the last act of the game, is pretty much all plot. Um, and there's all kinds of... Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but there are some, con there's some really controversial topics, like child abuse in this and... and uh, it's it's funny because you know they use the cute cat and the animal ca characters to kind of soften the blow a little bit. But the way this game is written and how well developed all the characters are in this game, it doesn't matter. They could be lumps of rock and you would still care about what's happening to them. I mean, they the writers of this game understand how important it is in a story-driven game to develop the characters that end up having multiple layers. And the funny part about it is most of these characters have like two animation routines. Like, their mouth moves, or they have, like, one animation where they act excited, but it's just the writing and the way that they display the text that give all kinds of depth and texture to each one of the characters. So, um, you know, best writing, in my opinion, of the year, hands down. I can't recommend this game highly enough. Everybody go buy it. Everybody go play it. Next up, Future Legend. This is a fun category. This is where we pick something that we think 10, 20... 30 years from now, will still be talked about and will still be discussed. Um, so you're basically trying to figure out what product from 2017 is still going to be discussed the most decades from now. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that in mind, Matt, what is your pick for Future Legend of 2017? Mine's a little bit of a cheat because it has the word in it, but it's the, <laughs> the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, I, again, I think uh, this game gets a little more credit than it deserves in terms of innovation because it's really just synthesizing stuff that other games have been doing for years. But it struck a chord. I think it's going to be very influential. I think you're going to start seeing shrines pop up in open world games in about a year, year and a half from you now. Think? Yeah, I think I think the the way this world was put together is going to be very strongly influential about how people put stuff together in the future. Um, which is kind of vindicating because the guys who are credited for a lot of the open world stuff in this game are the people who made Xenoblade Chronicles 1, which also had an amazing world, and like you can see that pedigree in this game. Um, and it's nice to kind of see that recognized, even if it took it being in another series <laughs> for that to happen. Yeah. And uh, I just feel like, you know, this made a really strong impression, not just on gamers, but on developers. You, hear, you see, you run into developers who are just constantly talking about, like, oh my god, I want my game to have this and this and this. And I think you're going to see a lot of the lessons of this game crop up in the next 10 years of game. You know, the same, I mean, Zelda games, you know, a really good Zelda game can influence the industry for decades to come. And we still talk about Ocarina. And I think this is as, as, this is as kind of revolutionary and fresh as Zelda's gotten since Ocarina. And I feel like people are still going to talk about what this game did. And going to talk about this game as a starting point for design ideas even 10 to 15 years from now. 
Yeah, see, I disagree with that. <laughs> I really do. I think that this game just borrows pretty much everything from other games that we've been playing. Oh, I agree, but I think that doesn't matter. You think I, people are going to say Zelda? I think was people the one are going to it? give this game credit for it. Really? Yeah, I, I'm not saying I believe it. I believe that it did all that. I'm going to say that people are going to because we're talking about are people going to talk about it? And right. they are. Like they already do. That people are going to consider this game to be the genesis of a bunch of things it was not the genesis of. But that doesn't mean they aren't still talking about it. See, I thought about picking this when I thought about a bunch of games for this category, and what what I thought it ultimately made me not pick this game for this award was that I think once we're at the third or fourth open world Zelda game, that it's just going to become rote, and they're not going to mm -hmm. talk about this game. Because I think people are going to realize, yeah, it was revolution revolutionary for a Zelda game, but for all video games? No, no one's going to realize that. Really? That's the Nintendo effect. No one's, <laughs> no one's going to realize it. And even if they... Well, I this think, was I think, my award, damn it. I think you may be right. Uh, in that, like, once you get to the third or fourth open world Zelda, people will find it to be old hat, but then they'll say it's not fresh and new like it was with Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like, Breath of the Wild is going to be a bulletproof game for a very, very long time, I predict. I mean, let's be honest, like, any award you could have given to this game would make it easier on you after you give out the yeah. awards because I mean let me let me be clear I am giving it this in a cynical manner right like right. I'm I'm not trying to argue against what you're saying about this game because I agree with all that I just think like in terms of sort of the the overall zeitgeist and the overall conversation that will be had about this game going forward no one's going to care except us <laughs> yeah like it's like it, it's I'm not saying it's right but I think that is what's going to happen well, only time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, with this category, only time will tell. And to be honest, like... That's the best part about this award. Nobody can hold it over right. your head for 10 years. <laughs> my, uh, and my, you know, my other pick that I was trying to decide between was your pick. Okay. So, it's like, I think we're kind of on the same page here. I'm just a little more... I just have less faith in You're more realistic, people. honestly. <laughs> I'm more idealistic. You're more realistic, I, I think. I hope you're right. Yeah. But I don't think you are. We'll see in 10 years. Uh, my pick for Future Legend is Cuphead. Uh, because in my opinion, this game is actually innovative and is different. Uh, and something like we've never really seen before. I can't remember another game that looked like this. I mean, I honestly can't remember another game that plays like this. Can you? Um, well, I mean... Like, I mean, there's lots of side-scrolling shooters. Yeah, bullet hell shooters. There's a little bit of uh, the old Disney games to it. Like Quackshot and uh, Castle of Illusion, although it's more shooting and less jumping. Um, you see this game, you never forget it. Yeah. And I think anytime a game, and I think there will be eventually clones of this game. Maybe they're not as if challenging. Any, if or anybody's got the balls to take that on, I right? Because like, it was it, a Herculean task yeah. for them to uh, create this game. But I, I think it's going to be imitated. And I think anytime somebody does anything even close to it, they're going to be like, also like Cuphead. Mm -hmm. And I think this could end up becoming that new, oh, so like this type of... And I don't think... That's what I'm saying about Zelda. I don't think when somebody looks at an open world game, they're going to be like, oh, like Breath of the Wild. Unless you're talking about some of the more physics-based stuff. Because mm -hmm. that, to me, is the one unique thing about Breath of the Wild. Is how you can just fiddle with the physics and the objects that they give you and create with them like how people made like the flying like ships and everything mm -hmm. 
that to me is a unique selling proposition of Zelda. That's what makes it unique. But the rest yeah, of it is really just to make anyone say, "Oh, it's like Breath of the Wild." All you're ever going to need to do is add a stamina meter. Oh, <laughs> you climb yeah. a thing and add a stamina meter, which, by the way, was done in Shadow of the Colossus right. in 2004. Well, lots of games have had it for climbing. Right, but if you're going to like directly say, "Like, where did that come from?" It comes right. from Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. And it is still fun, but sure. it doesn't come from Zelda. However, Zelda could be the thing that makes that gives the influence that include you know adds that into other games. And uh, look, know. I don't deny. I think Zelda will get credit for stuff it doesn't deserve, because in all honesty, a lot of people who play Zelda Are haven't you... played a lot of these other games, right. Matt. Oh yeah. If they've but been you... living on Nintendo platforms all this time, they haven't played a lot of games like this. So I like sure that. to like them, you just it's... saw a nice little example of that where he threw, threw the bomb and the heat of the of the enemy made it fly up. Yeah, and didn't it didn't hit get hit by the bomb? Yep. I mean, that's the cool thing about Zelda is yeah. how all these little like elemental things and physics things all play together to make a believable mm. world. But the actual design and structure of Zelda is ripped straight out of Skyrim or dozens of other mm. action RPGs. And really, so. you could argue that Skyrim uh, is also based around kind of playing with the world in the same yeah. way. It's just not a, not quite as satisfying because. Well, it was made. Uh, like it was made a long time ago, ago, but like, yeah. but also because like you know, Zelda's got more polish on that element. Than yeah. Z- I mean, part of Skyrim's fun is how ridiculous all the glitches are, and the one you know, the Cyclops guy will you know uses he hits you with the hammer and you fly into orbit and all. I mean, yeah. That's part of the charm of Skyrim, or part of the reason you hate Skyrim, depending right. on yeah. who you are. Um, this Zelda obviously has a lot more. Uh, everything's a lot more reliable. Let's say, like it feels like the world works the way it works because that's how the world is supposed to work, and not how like that's where Gamebryo broke. Right. You know? It's just <laughs> some. It, yeah, it doesn't feel like a glitch in Zelda. Yeah. It feels like hey, they actually may have fiddled with this in testing and said, hey, can right. we build like an airship using these two enemies and a couple logs and. And then they figured out, oh, yes, you can do that. Now let's sit back and wait and see how long it takes for the players to discover it. Yeah, so, look, that is the one thing I do give Zelda credit for, is that's one part of the game that really hasn't been done a lot in other games. But when you start talking about the core design of it, it's something that we've seen many, many times before. I agree, but I I just don't think... I, that's not a perspective anyone's going to care about. Like, we got before. Well, I think the Whereas other like, thing too is that it's going to be Nintendo fans trumpeting this right. game in ten years, right. and they're they, a lot of them haven't even played other games like this if they've only had Nintendo platforms. Yeah. So, whereas Cup, I think if Cuphead's talked about it, it'll be like, man, you remember that crazy animated game that no one ever made anything like it again because they were all afraid to, <laughs> to try that. Like, yeah. Um, although maybe they'll make a second one. I don't know. Those guys. I think they already said they're yeah. making another one. Yeah, but uh, I'd love to see them move forward in animation era, and like. The next one will be like, oh, yeah. will be like, like the like the, the classic kind of forties era Disney like, like yeah, Fantasia. Yeah. That would be cool if they that. just kept jumping decade would, to decade yeah. until we got to like the corny cartoons of the seventies, yeah. and then like, and like Cuphead Six will be like CG, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Next award is the most pleasant surprise. So this is. A product that we had very low expectations for, or no expectations for at all, and it kind of blew us away. Um, and in our case this year, it's two games, because we could have mm-hmm. chosen something else if we wanted to, but it is two games. Matt, what's your pick from a pleasant surprise of 2017? Uh, I went with Next Machina. That game surprised you? Yeah. Even though it's a twin-stick shooter from a studio that always makes twin-stick yeah. shooters. Well, I was surprised because I liked it so much. Oh, okay. Got you. Um, it was, uh, you know, I mean, I like a good Smash TV clone as much as anybody, but I kind of picked this up just because it was what was coming out this week and I knew we were going to talk about it. I'm like, all right, I'll throw it in. We can, it'll, it'll take up some time in the show. And I played it for like four hours. Yeah. And like, 
I mean, I like Housemark. I, you know, it's, it's a shame that they're kind of backing away from this kind of game design now because nobody bought any of this stuff. Yeah. But like, this game is great. Like, this is the probably one of the best permutation of this gameplay style I've played in decades. I'll be honest. This was my runner-up for any game of the year. I can see that absolutely. Yeah. It's, and like, this it's, it's a ton of fun. It. The price is right. Is is a it's a pretty big game. There's a lot of levels to, to get through. Yep. And it's, it's basically just like a, you know, a modern voxel-driven take on Robotron. And, and or Smash TV. Yeah. Very I much mean, like Smash TV. The rescuing people reminds me of uh, Robotron. Yep. Um, and the collecting of, of loot is more of a Smash TV angle. Yep. But, like, it's, it's, it's a... It's, it's the best of both worlds, honestly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> A little bit, a little puzzle. You know, you see the dash there. You can da- you're invincible and you're dashing, so you have to use it to get through some of the traps and some of the like kind of light, very light puzzle solving. Yeah, you know? <laughs> for um, sure. But it just goes and goes, and it keeps it keeps you playing. And even when you die, it doesn't feel very frustrating because there's oh, you know, you just got overwhelmed, and you and you know why it happened, and now you got to try it again. I love this game. In it's fact, great. I've I recommended it so often that I have got. I don't know, like four or five either emails or messages on Twitter from people that have thanked me for recommending this game. Everybody, no, I have not got one message yet where somebody said, oh my God, you told me to get this and I hated it. <laughs> Every single person who's reached out to me about it has said, thank you for recommending this game. I love it. So, yeah. I mean, at this point, you can probably find it for like $8, I'm guessing. Yeah. it's, it's... Which is a shame. Um, and you're right. It is a shame that Housemark is moving away from these kinds of games because nobody does it better than they do. But... Uh, at the end of the day, it's a company, and it needs to uh, remain solvent, and needs to make money. So, it is what it is. At least they left us with this one awesome last yeah. parting gift, and uh, that's exactly how you should look at it. Next Machina is amazing. Uh, my pleasant surprise for 2017 is near Automata, Automata, however the hell you want to say it, it was an extremely pleasant surprise, hmm. uh, especially when I considered what the old Nier game was like. Uh, the first Nier, I think I made it... 10 hours in before I gave up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game... You missed some serious shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like that, near... The, the, the B and C endings of near 1 are some of the most, like, nihilistic things I've ever... They're, I've it's watched a dark. some of it on YouTube because I, I became weak and I was like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. finish this game, so I'll end up watching it. And I did go back and kind of watch it before I played this. What surprised me the most about this game was how good the story and the writing was... Because to me, and maybe maybe I'm insane for thinking this way, but a lot of games that come from Japan, my expectations for the story in those games is usually rock bottom. And whether it's because of translation issues or cultural issues or whatever, I just rarely ever play Japanese games that have stories that really hit me. This one I thought was incredible. And mm-hmm. the, the translation is great. The, the premise of the story is great. It is a little rote in that it's the whole... How do humans deal yeah, what with... What is love? What is a robo that? thing. But, but, but they, they play, handled it very They handled it and they play with it. Yep. They play with it a lot. They know that it's, a, it's kind of a cliche and they take it different directions and they, they make fun of themselves a little bit in places. It's, it's, it's very well done. I really thought this was just going to be another generic Japanese hack and slash. No. And maybe I think their marketing failed a little bit in that way of really kind of telling the story yeah, what I mean, the game was about. These guys have also... Uh, it's hard to kind of get across how these... Because you know, these guys also made the Drakengard games on, yep. uh, on uh, PS2, which again... Drakengard 1 has one of the craziest, darkest final acts I've ever seen in anything. Yeah. And like... I mean, Death Stranding could learn a few things, <laughs> frankly. And um, these guys just, like, they don't... They, they follow, I guess they follow their own drumbeat would be a way to put it mildly. And 
Uh, I don't know how they keep getting funding to make these games. Uh, yeah. they, don't, they, don't, they don't sell. I mean, they don't sell. Well, this one sold well. okay. Sold I think pretty it sold well. like two million worldwide or yeah. something. It was. I mean, uh, enough to enough, do another one. Yeah, enough to do it again. Which I, wow, wow, great. Yeah. awesome. <laughs> the other um, thing about this game that's incredible is the soundtrack. Yeah, soundtrack. One of the really best good. OSTs, particularly from a Japanese game that I've heard in years. I highly recommend either downloading or buying the OST for this game. Uh, but just overall, I was just I was really impressed with pretty much every facet of it. The again, you know, story isn't something I usually enjoy from Japanese games. The story in this was great. Um, the combat was awesome too. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt always attached to my character. I liked the flexibility that it gave you with your little kind of flying robot buddies. Um, and, and a nice little uh, Fantasy Star Online like you know twins. Sweeping sense, yeah, definitely. I I just really enjoyed the game. I didn't expect much out of it, so to me. Easily, it was the most pleasant surprise of 2017. So we go from a category where we praise games that we are pleasantly surprised by to the next one, which is the most disappointing game of 2017. This is the antithesis antithesis of the last category. This is a game we had high hopes for, but ultimately ended up falling well short. So Matt, Mm. what is your pick for most disappointing game? Uh, Just in Under the Wire is Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah. Um, I kind of got that vibe from... Last, last week, week yeah. and the play view that we did with it and everything. Yeah, I was just telling me. I mean, I, I, it's just so much like you said. The kind of the Japanese sort of cultural divide. You know, there's a lot of anime trope crap in here. And ra- actually, after I, uh, I, uh, after the show, I was playing it more over the weekend. And there was a, I got to an optional event that I'd missed before, and I went and did it. And it was basically a scene in which the little. Um, the little comedy relief uh, bird potato <laughs> guy. Of course, there's that guy. Um, teaches the main gr- the main blade girl how to act more like a maid, so the main guy will like her more. Because otherwise, m- boys don't like it unless you're submissive and and right. and all this. And I was like, <laughs> and I'm like, and eh. I was fr- I was uh, I was um, uh, uh, what's I was um, it was like the Seinfeld. Uh, uh, the bet episode. Oh yeah! I just came. I just came in like Kramer. Just I'm out. Like I'm. I'm it's like that was it. Like that was as far as I go with this yeah. game. And I got through Xenoblade Chronicles X pretty well, even though it had a lot of like that same kind of yeah. like anime anime style trope, like you know anime series, even episode storytelling and stupid humor and everybody like falling over and shit. Um, I got through it because the the world was so interesting to explore, and it, was, it felt like you were in this like alien environment, and like you know seeing new things over each, and like that's just not really there in this game to the yeah. same degree. And it it had nothing left to hook me. Maybe I'll go back to it like if I if I bring the Switch with me on the holidays or something, and and try to get back into it. But I'm probably just gonna play Mario. Yeah. You know, like like if I turn the Switch on, I, I've got a lot of better stuff to play and. This game really let me down in ways that I didn't expect. And it you to. have been a huge proponent slash fan oh, yeah. of this series for years. Yeah, especially and also like I can you know I was willing to kind of you know sidestep some of this criticism for Xenoblade Chronicles X because it doesn't have a two at the end of it. Right. You know, it's a side story. It's it's a sci-fi thing instead of a fantasy thing. It's clearly not following up on the first game, but the first game is one of my favorite RPGs ever, and this one is really not. Like it's it's. Well then, look, if you don't like the game, and then you're staring down the barrel of 80 to 100 hours, hours to finish yeah. it, that's really hard to overcome. So, I mean, the combat system, I, you know, the combat is fun, I enjoy it, like, I, you know, it, it, that, the combat lives up to my expectations of a Xenoblade combat system, but, like, the, the trappings and the presentation, I just can't take it anymore. So, All right. And I was really hoping that, I mean, I was, you know, we, we've been making fun of the character designs in this since yeah, they yeah. unveiled it. 
uh, at the beginning of the year. But like, I was really hoping that would it would I would be able to you know power past that, and I just I just gave up. I just can't. All right. Well, my most disappointing game for 2017 is ukulele. Um, so maybe some of you guys know, maybe some of you don't. I'm a big fan of 3D platformers. I have been ever since the genre mm-hmm. started uh, with Super Mario 64. So I, I am more than willing to give a little leeway for this genre. The other part of it is this is essentially the old rare. Yep. Most of the people who made the Banjo games and Donkey Kong 64, they left to become Platonic and to create this game. And so my expectations for this game were freaking sky high. I was like, okay, well, these guys essentially created the creme de la creme of this genre decades ago and haven't mm-hmm. really had a shot to come back and kind of look at what's changed in games over the last 10 plus years and incorporate that stuff and maybe put their own spin on it. And instead, what I got was literally a game that could have been designed back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really showed very little progression forward. And in some ways, it was a regression from what we got with some of the Banjo games. So I was hugely, hugely disappointed by this. It's not a bad game by any stretch. I mean, it's not terrible. It's not a great game, though. No. It's not. It's not a great game. Like, this was definitely on my short list for this category as well. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of this category is how excited were you right. versus what did you get? And because my expectations and my and my anticipation for this game was so high, to get anything but excellence from it was a huge disappointment. Mm-hmm. And oh, this God, is, I hated having to do all the turn into a thing and yeah. trundle across the landscape stuff. Oh. And I mean, that's the thing about this game is like, look... Rare and that team has had plenty of time to go back and look at the long-term mm-hmm. view of the Banjo games that it made for the N64. There, none of that should be a secret at this point. Or go back and even look at games like Cameo, yeah. where people had complaints about stuff like this. And it just seemed like it, they just completely ignored a lot of the feedback that has come in from those games from decades ago. And just decided to make a clone of those games in 1080p. That's really what I got out of this. Is like, hey, here's the banjo we didn't make back then, but we could have in 1080p, and that's good enough. And it wasn't good enough. And the characters aren't as engaging or memorable as Banjo and Kazooie were. Um, it was just a big disappointment for me. Um, and look, I do realize it is coming out on Switch, or maybe it just came out. Yeah, it came out like yesterday or the day before. Um, and so I know there's a lot of you out there who own a Switch who are maybe excited about this. All I'm going to say is temper your enthusiasm a little yeah. bit for this. You don't have a lot of choice on Switch. I get it. You may have finished Mario. You've already finished Zelda. Maybe you finished Champions Ballad DLC of Zelda. You're done with all the stuff you got on the Switch. You're looking for something new to play. You're you're from the N64 era. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, I wouldn't tell you not to buy this game. I would just say temper your enthusiasm for it. It's not gonna blow your doors yeah. off. Like Cons- consider just playing Mario again. Yeah, or just try to get all the moons in Mario. I think you'll... Yeah, you're not, you didn't do that yet. No. We know. Well, I know. Some people have, believe <laughs> some me. Some have. But... A lot have, believe it or not, man. But if you've done that, ukulele's probably not going to satisfy you either. Yeah, clearly I you're, mean, that you're might You're be... working on a level of platforming that ukulele cannot deliver. That honestly might be the biggest detriment to ukulele on Switch, is that so many people just came off of Super yeah. Mario Odyssey, so their expectations are going to be Because it also, it doesn't feel good It doesn't. That's the other thing. Like, the controls just don't feel right. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I would actually argue that Super Mario Odyssey doesn't feel exactly right to no, me. No, but it feels more than this does. Oh, yeah. Like, you will definitely blame the controls in this game on your on dying. 
without a doubt, mm -hmm. several times. So, yeah, I had high expectations for ukulele. Unfortunately, it failed to deliver. I hope Playtonic, one, doesn't give up, but two, for its next game, it takes a little bit more time. I feel like this game was created way too quickly for it to have ever turned out to uh, meet my expectations. So, there you have it. Ukulele. I really was excited for that game. I had it, mm -hmm. I drafted it in my fantasy team. I'm like, hey, if they can't make a good platformer, nobody can make a good platformer. Turns out nobody can make a good platformer. <laughs> it did turn out that way. Uh, up next, biggest news story. So we had earlier the best story in a video game. This is the biggest news story of 2017. We have two different picks here, which is good. Uh, Matt, what is your choice for biggest news story? Uh, my choice is the Battlefront 2 loot box controversy. Um, you could probably even not just quarantine that to ba Battlefront 2. It could no, just I mean, be it's, loot it's part boxes. Of, obviously, it's part of a bigger story, but I, I, I specified Battlefront 2 because it hit the mainstream media, got the attention of that senator in Hawaii who's like threatening to do some kind of legal thing about it. Like, yeah. um, you, you had Belgium weighing in, you had the Isle of Man weighing in. Like, you, <laughs> like, this hit, a, this hit a, a, you know, a, a level of news reporting that caused the head of Disney to call EA and say, fix this. Well, it's been a, I mean, look, Which, it's, it's broken the boundaries of games. Yeah. You saw stories about this on CNN and mm -hmm. all other major news outlets. It is one of the few stories this year that did manage to crack through the veil and mm -hmm. uh, kind of go overall pop culture. So I would say, I mean, so to me, that is, uh, you know, that's it's a, a big story. Big story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, we might see, you know, it's possible, I think it's unlikely, but it is possible that EA's poor choices in Battlefront 2 loot box, uh, you know, behavior could lead to legislation. It could. I mean, yeah, that's huge. Right. It is, yeah. That's big. Yeah, for sure. So, I think... Uh, that, I mean, that, it already has costed about $2 billion yeah. in valuation, so... And I think, you know, I just think that this is going to be obviously part of a conversation and story is going to continue. It was going through 2018. I think this is going to be a thing that we continue to struggle with and continue to push back on when it comes to large-scale publishers trying to put this kind of thing in... Triple A games that you've already paid for. Like that's, I mean, I think that's where a lot of the problem comes from. Is you've already paid sixty bucks for this thing, and now they don't want to give you anything. I wonder too. Um, at what point does the apathy kick in, though, for this topic? At what point did gamers get sick of hearing about it, sick of talking about it? Because well, we're already kind of there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, the apathy was already there when it was in games that we didn't care about. Yeah. You know, and I mean, nobody started a protest about Need for Speed Payback because no one cared about Need for Speed Payback. But nobody or Clash of Clans or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's easy to ignore mobile games if you're a core gamer because that's not the kind of stuff we're into. But like, we're, yeah, nobody wanted to, to boycott Battlefront Two because of loot boxes. Everybody yeah. wanted to play Battlefront Two. Yeah. And so that's why this became a thing right off of this. I think is and same same to some degree with Shadow of War, although it was not as predatory there. Um, it was just like you know, it's big games that you know we're excited about. And we don't want to have to ignore because of what we see as an ethical breach on the part of the publisher. Yeah. Um, and you know, hopefully, I mean, I would like to think that you know publishers learn something from this. But as we've already been talked about earlier, uh, you've got major companies seeing this kind of thing play out and then doing the same thing. You know, like like you would think if you saw like what happened with Shadow of War and what happened in particular with Battlefront 2's loot box situation. If you're Bungie, maybe you think deceiving, deceiving the player base with the XP totals yeah. would not be the greatest move right now. <laughs> but here we are, yeah. you know. So yeah. I think this is going to be a continuing story moving forward. I think EA is con going to continue to struggle with. There's a lot of weird. If you look at like kind of like a rundown of like the big news events of this year, 
EA's in a lot of bad it is. news. Yeah, I mean, really is. Shutting down developers, canceling stuff. Like this didn't work. We got the loot box, loot box problem. I mean, they're have they're struggling in the optics. As soon as Peter Moore left, yeah, Peter it Moore all went leaving. Down the crapper. <laughs> so, um, so I thought it was just sort of indicative of of 2017 as a whole. I think it's it going to be relevant moving forward, and I found it to be a big story. However, I think all that also applies to other things. It's just it was a thing that stood out for me, probably because I'm so immersed in the Star Wars thing right now. Yep. Uh, my pick for biggest news story of 2017 is. The runaway success of the Nintendo Switch. Um, uh, look, I'll be the first to admit, I never saw this coming in a million years. I thought it might do okay. I never dreamed it would turn into the, the sensation that it has. And look, a lot of that is thanks to Breath of the Wild, which is a freaking amazing video game and probably the best Zelda ever made. Uh, that has a lot of draw for it. And I think Nintendo's done a great job of supporting it with software in general this year. Uh, which again is which is a pleasant surprise as well. Holy mm-hmm. cow! Look at Nintendo holding up its end of the bargain with first-party software and getting third parties on board. But to me, the biggest story out of all that is that right now the Switch is on the same pace as the PlayStation Four, Matt. Although PlayStation Four did beat it last month, it did. But right now, if you look at the first ten months of PlayStation Four, mm-hmm. first ten months of Switch, the Switch has sold as much as the PlayStation 4 did in, a, in its first 10 months. Mm. That is huge for Nintendo, Matt. I mean, think about it. Well, it's a hell of a lot better than the Wii U, that's for sure. It's way better than the Wii U. I mean, the Wii was a success, but it was a different kind of success. It was a success with casuals right. and well, people the, that were never going to buy software. Right. The that's Wii, the, the difference Wii. with Switch, though. Right. But, but so, so I'm interested in, in the Switch moving forward into 2018 because... Uh, they just announced that they've sold 10 million, yep. basically, which is about, I mean, a little little below, but it's around the, the cap of the Wii U, right? Well, I'll remind you and all our viewers and myself, because look, I, I when I get a call wrong, I'm not going to hide from it. I estimated 2 million mm-hmm. before the end of this year. I was so, so wrong. I think, I want to say I said something like 5 million. I said we were two. We were super wrong one way or the other. Uh, my question, so 10 million was my golden number for once it passes, because 10 million was what we learned on the Wii U. 10 mil- there's 10 million people who will buy a Nintendo system no matter what. No matter what. what, yeah. So now we've hit the point, we've hit that point. Beyond this, I have no idea what happens to the Switch. Yeah. Like, I'm will not it going break, to, will I'll it say break one out? thing, I am not going to go against Nintendo again. I mean, I was so wrong. Well, I think it all hinges on the 2018 lineup, and if they can continue the momentum. And the direct, the Nintendo Direct in January, going to be real interesting, for sure. Because yeah. uh, like we don't what's know, next? we really know much <laughs> about next? what's now. I mean, we know there's the Kirby, we know there's the the Yoshi coming. Uh, we still there's need to know what Metroid Retro's eventually. Game. Metroid is, I don't think Metroid is next year. I Probably still not. Think. Retro, retro s- presumably has been doing something. Smash Brothers Probably port. Another, another freaking Donkey Probably Kong game. Probably next year. I would I would expect to see Smash Brothers next year, whatever whatever permutation. It'll that be takes. Smash Brothers DX, probably. Yeah, It'll just be an enhanced port of the Wii U game. Which is fine. I mean, the more Wii U games you can put on this system, the better, because nobody you, most, them. Pe- most of the people that have this system now are not going to play. Them. Yeah, uh, Bayonetta. Um, Bayonetta three, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, presumably there's a Pikmin in there somewhere. I mean, we've been waiting long. I mean, how yeah. long has that game been done? A long time. Mono? And that's kind of my point is that. This is a story, 
loot boxes we're going to talk about it next year probably in the middle of the year next year it'll mm-hmm. it'll get sorted out and it'll go away but the switch is going to be here for the next five six years and it wouldn't be here for the next five or six years if it wouldn't have had this year mm-hmm. so that's why i decided to pick it as the biggest news story um it really hasn't turned quite into the phenomenon that the Wii was. It's not getting the mainstream press coverage. That, like, you aren't seeing your local well, it's news not as, it's not as going out to a, the nursing home and yeah. watching Granny. Like, well, because it's not as compelling a visual. Right. You know, like, people wag- waggling things around like that is a fun thing to have B-roll yeah. of. And, it's you know, to, yeah. But, like, you know, I think, it's, I think Nintendo's, the audience they've reached with the Switch is more important. It is. Like they will buy software. They're the ones who are going to buy the software. That's what's most important. And that was where, the, that was where the Wii faltered. And that's the difference between, yeah. and the Wii, and the Wii U, for that matter. And it's a good balance of, you know, the people who are asking, people I know who are casuals or have kids are asking me about the Switch. Like, is the right people? Is the people that normally wouldn't care about the Wii, didn't even yeah. mention the Wii U ever? Yeah. But they've heard of this, and they want, they're interested, and their kids are interested, and it's moving forward. There. The other thing... Uh, I don't know if you've been in a Target or a Best Buy recently, but there's Switches. They have them. Yeah, they're everywhere. The the, the product pipeline problem seems to have been solved because it's not like they're not selling. Yeah. But you're, you're, you know, even this close to Christmas, it looks like you can walk into one, a a lot of stores and get one if you want one. And that's important. That's good. That's good. Because you can't outsell the PlayStation 4 if you don't have Switches on the shelves. But I think to your point, the fact that the channels are filling up with Switch and PlayStation 4 one last month. Showing a little bit of softness. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of been my point the whole time. It's like once you hit 10 million, do you sell happens. beyond that? Yeah. Can you, can you capture the audience beyond the audience that you already had for the Wii U? Because that's the point. I mean, you got to... I do think Nintendo has got extra can, people but it's from like, the Wii U. Like, people who oh, didn't yeah. own a Wii U have bought Switch. Well, I certainly know plenty of people that didn't right. own a Wii U that have a Wii uh, or, a, a Switch. or a Switch. But, like, the question is, can you hit that critical mass still? Uh, and, and, you know, PlayStation 4 certainly kept its momentum up. Switch, the Switch could very mu- very well do that. And then you've got the issue of, um, you know, you've got a long way to go to even just tie the GameCube. Yeah. And the GameCube was not considered a great yeah. milestone. Yeah, finished at, like, 22 or something like that. It was that. 30-ish, 30 million. I thought we had this conversation before. Or I had it with somebody else. I don't think it ever hit 30. It was it was closer to that I think it was it was not crazy numbers it was it at the time it was like oh my god a Nintendo system didn't sell a hundred million right. we, people were like freaking out now it's like selling GameCube love off the Wii U selling GameCube love would be <laughs> like, pretty woo-hoo! cool yeah, it's like, <laughs> for sure so it's on track it's just I think they need to make sure that next year's lineup is 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 I don't know if you can be as compelling as a year where two a great Mario and a great Zelda game came out but like That's you gotta keep tough. you gotta keep the interest going. Um, That's a challenge, though. It is. It's like the first year you get Mario, you get Zelda out. Those yeah. are your two biggest franchises. If you don't hit, if you don't do well with that, then you're in deep crap. Right. And Nintendo it looks, did. And they it did. did do well. So now what? Right. Yeah. But right now I'm looking at you know I'm looking down the barrel of a Kirby game and a Yoshi game and maybe another retro Donkey Kong game and that looks a lot like a Wii U release lineup. Yeah. So starting to. I hope they got some stuff up their sleeve in January. It Nintendo seems to have turned over a new leaf. Yeah. It's doing things now that. It hasn't done in a while. Yeah. Well, it's back to the games, and it's back to courting the people who buy the games. Right. It's back to not thinking that it can capture this kind of magical, mythical, magical game casual that audience exist. that doesn't yeah. even care about something that doesn't come with the system. Yep. So they've come back to appreciating their fans and the people that like made them a success in the first place, and they're making the games those people want to play. And you know, can they in, keep in, doing a, that? in a fair yeah. universe? That should be enough. So it's we'll usually see. Not. Usually <laughs> it's isn't. usually not. But it's working so far. Got to get so those far. third parties involved for sure. Uh, okay, next up we have 
the worst game we played this year. So the, the, we are trying to say what was the worst game of 2017 because God knows there's something on Steam that is far worse than right. the two games that we've chosen for this, and we know that. This is just the worst games that we played. We are also very fortunate that we get to play all the best games, and we don't have to spend a lot of time playing terrible games. So, granted, I know as soon as people see this, they're going to be like, well, I can think of 50 games worse than that one. Mm -hmm. We get it. These are the worst games that we played. So, Matt, what was mm -hmm. the worst game you played this year? Right. And, the uh, of course, the caveat here is also, I didn't really play a lot of really terrible games. That's what I was yeah, saying. I like, some pretty we don't good play stuff. a lot of bad games. But the worst thing, and certainly the worst time I had playing anything this year, was Mass Effect Andromeda. Wow. Um... As a and I did finish it. I 100% completed it. The only trophy I don't have is the ultra hard or insanity playthrough because I ain't doing that. Yeah. And um, but I did do everything and finish the whole thing and uh, not the DLC because there wasn't any. Um, and uh, I kind of disliked every minute of it. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm a giant Mass Effect fan. I love the, the Mass Effect trilogy is one of my favorite game things period ever all time. Like just love it to death. I never. I, this did not make my most disappointing game because I never really expected it to be particularly good. How come? Um, because they're forcing it. It's it has no business existing to some degree in the sense that the Mass Effect story was told. So like you want to tell another story in the universe, okay? But you took it to another galaxy, so you didn't have to deal with the, the fallout of the original games, and you're just sort of piecemealing weird little elements of it. It just it felt it feels weird to try to like force that just because people recognize the Mass Effect name, and I didn't feel like they capitalized on what was already established. You know, like the fact that the Turians were there, the Asari was there, it didn't really matter. Like it could have been any A. You could have just called this Andromeda and made it just another science fiction game and it would have been maybe better because I wouldn't be comparing it to Mass Effect. But um you know, you know what I found out about this game? Hmm? People who really love Mass Effect hate it. People who weren't huge fans of Mass Effect and maybe played the other games like it. I don't find that to be true. Really? I know plenty of people that didn't like fall in love with Mass Effect, but found this to be something they bounced right off. And really? Because well, I've never look. I've played know, all the Mass Effect games, but the first two, like the the third one, I hardly played at all. Mm. The first one, I mo I finished. Second one, mostly finished. But this one, man, I dove into it and I loved it. Well, here's the thing that I think is more relevant than whether you've played Mass Effect or not, whether you've played Dragon Age Inquisition or not, because uh, this game is I, a reskin. This game is a reskin of Dragon Age Inquisition to the pixel. Ah, every the, I never played the open areas with the fetch quests with no story attached to them, the constant collecting of randomly generating like items to get like a piddling amount of XP. Uh, wandering around, fast traveling constantly to like do the various fetch problems you have to do. The sort of like loosey goosey like environmental physics problems you run into. Like Dragon Age Inquisition has all that, and this is a little better paced because Dragon Age Inquisition puts you in the hinterlands and leaves you there for like ten hours uh, to the point that the title of the Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, uh, official topic on Gaff was leave the hinterlands because there's more <laughs> game out there. That's but funny. like I've already played this by playing Dragon Age Inquisition. I'll tell you the last thing I wanted from another Mass Effect game was Dragon Age Inquisition with a spacesuit. Yeah. And the combat in this is better. I really enjoy that's what kept me going. I really enjoyed the combat in the, this game. The, the skill based shooting in this is obviously better than kind of the holding the R trigger and waiting for all your fireballs or your right. stuff to shoot. I mean that is not as engaging in in Dragon Age. But 
I didn't I didn't care about Ryder. I didn't care about the characters in this. I didn't care about the backstory. I didn't like nothing in this game hooked me in any way except occasionally there was a pretty cool firefight. Um, the I love the combat in this the game. The environments didn't really I mean it's, it's just it never pulled me in and it and I I would was super willing to be pulled in, but it just didn't happen. And when you really come down to it and whether it's fair or not, when I think about the, the games I didn't like that I played this year, this one makes me the angriest. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, and I don't blame, you know, Bioware Montreal, really. I feel like there's a lot of screw behind-the-scenes fuckery happening here, certainly being forced to use the Frostbite engine hurt I think them. that's been proven right. out since then, yeah. Since and I, don't, I mean, how EA let this game escape, which I don't even want to call it released. Like, this game, <laughs> this game got out, you know? Like, it didn't come out, it got out. Yeah. And, and they had to kind of cobble it back together. Well, the funniest thing like, is that, like, there was huge issues with it that they fixed in, like, three days. Yeah. Or at least semi-fixed. A couple weeks. It's like, it was, why yeah. don't you just wait till And it is, to be fair, you know, <laughs> it improved tremendously in the month or two after... Re- I mean, they, they really pulled it back together, but it's like... Just wait the two months. They had to get it, They had to get it out for the fiscal year, yeah. for the end of the fiscal year in March. And, That's like, they irreparably damaged the brand. Yeah, they did. Because they're... When you look at really the premise, like once you get into this and kind of look at what they're doing here, the the premise of sending these generational ships out to kind of colonize another galaxy and sort of leaving everything behind, like those themes that they play with early on in the in the in the game are very promising. I mean, they're very well-worn science fiction themes, but like no game really has tackled them in any serious manner, at least that I'm aware of. Maybe I haven't played maybe there's something out there that I haven't played, but like I, that's very compelling to me, and they just do nothing with it, and yeah. it just becomes the same old sort of you know Bioware chosen one story. But like, but you're not really chosen to do anything particularly interesting. You know, it's like it's like saving the galaxy from this encroaching Lovecraftian like Reaper threat thing. Like has a bunch of like it's foreboding, and this is like you get one new alien race, you get some like weird overlord guy that like has like his sort of zombie soldiers that are basically the Geth but organic, and like it's. There's just nothing there. Like, they didn't come up with a good reason to have this story told. And instead, they just wanted to make another Mass Effect game because they knew we'd buy it. And I, you know, it's just, it's just another... They were right. It's they sold, were right. It still it's, sold it really well. It still very well. But it's like, it's just, it's another, it's another, you know, it's another tally mark in that list of EA. Why? Like yeah. this, you know, I, I just feel well, EA Well, I think it'll is, work. It all going to regrets it now because of the, obviously, if, <laughs> EA never dreamed it would see what you're seeing right now on our stream. A Mass Effect game with a lower third that says worst game. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> Never in a million years would EA ever think it would see something like that. Neither would I. I mean, I, di- I didn't have a lot of faith in this game, but I felt it was more, well, it's going to be like okay or pretty good, and I'm going to feel like that's, you know, a letdown from what, you know, the Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, I think, are all varying degrees of great. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, it's just not... It doesn't live up to the either. Okay. But I thought this was actually a pretty bad game. Like, in a, in a lot of... In, in just about every way except uh, most of the moment-to-moment shooting. Well, I will promise you one thing. My pick for this category, even you will not be able to deny, is a far worse game than Mass Effect. No, but I didn't, I didn't play this one, so <laughs> I couldn't pick it. My pick for the worst game I played this year is Drawn to Death. Hands down the worst oh, video I did game play I this. played. <laughs> it was so bad. I totally forgot about this <laughs> game. No, uh, you're right. This was awful. Oh, it's terrible. David Jaffe, this is what happens when, when a developer gets too much power and leeway. 
you can just tell that this was the video game that he wanted to make his entire life, <laughs> had never really thought it through, and was like, hey, will this actually be fun? Or is this just like the first game idea I ever wrote down on my high school notebook back in like 1984? Ironically, the art style is based on doodles on a, on a high school notebook. Um, this third-person shooter, there's really pretty much nothing in it that works or feels good or is fun or rewarding. The game is crass and not in a smart and clever way. It's, it's like, this is like lowest common denominator video game that completely lacks any form of solid yeah. execution. It's not often you get to say, it's like Beavis and Butthead, but dumber. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't even have that much it really, to say. Yeah, and then, like, look, I could look past a lot of that stuff if the gameplay mechanics were even average. No. But everything about it, the jumping, the shooting, the level design, it's all so, so bad. It, feel, it feels like, like a... It feels like an Unreal Tournament mod you would have downloaded in like 1998 for free. Yeah, and just been like, oh, this is stupid. Some like some kid had too much time on his hands. Yeah, yeah, and you play it for like two matches and never go back to it. Like this is David Jaffe. Look at this. That's a character with a shark head for a head. Just everything. The art in it. The like. I don't have a problem with the idea of this is a land created from doodles on a high school notebook. That's right. fine. That doesn't mean the art has to be terrible. It doesn't mean it has to be literally drawn by the average 11th grader. Like, it's so bad. David Jaffe has fallen so, so far in the last, like, half decade. Like, I wonder if, like, his studio's even going to survive this game. I don't know. He keeps making things that just seem to be really out of touch with what anybody wants. wants. Yeah. You know, I felt the same way about Calling All Cars. Yep. Um, which I also don't think performed any better than this. I mean, no. And look, the last Twisted Metal wasn't what great was. either. No. But I completely forgot this. Exa- I mean, it's like Mass Effect Andromeda. I periodically think of and be like, ah, fucking game. Yeah, I, it makes me angry all over again when I think about it in the shower. But this, I would never have thought about this game again in my life if you hadn't picked it. For well, this. maybe that's why you just shut it out of your brain. I unfortunately couldn't, man. It was like traumatic playing it. Look, I have a lot of love for David Jaffe. Like, at a certain point in time, I kind of considered him mm. one of my bros. Like. You know, we emailed each other back and forth a lot. Like, he did some crazy stuff for us on GT. Like, I mean, in a lot of ways, he helped make GT what it was because he would go on camera with us and just do crazy stuff. Like, say things that he shouldn't say, have the PR people rushing in and tell him to shut up. Like, and I thought in a lot of ways, like, he liked us and waited to do that stuff until he was on camera with us. And so, look, I have a lot of love for David. And I respected a lot of the games that he's made. Obviously, the God of War games that he made were absolutely incredible. But, man, has he lost his way. David, what you doing, bro? This game is so bad. Yeah, probably, and it took forever. It was delayed multiple times. Like Probably helped that it was free. Yeah. That I, that I didn't get that upset about it. Well, it was what? It was uh, PlayStation Plus freebie one month? I think so, yeah. But I don't think it's free to play. Like, I no. think it actually costs like 10 bucks or whatever. No, well, I think that, yeah, there's also like, I think there's, can you pay for crates in this? Probably. There, if they, if it wasn't there when it stuff? launched, I'm sure they're there now. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to recoup whatever money they can. But yeah, far and away, this was the worst game I played. And again, we realize on Steam, there's all these god-awful games that, drift, right. that Jim I, Sterling plays every but week. I don't, but unlike Jim Sterling, I don't play those games and buy them so that Steam doesn't show them to me. Right, exactly. Like, that's why you keep seeing shitty games on your Steam, Jim, because you keep buying them. And they keep bubbling <laughs> they them keep, up to you. The algorithm says, oh, he, like, like, hey, he likes crappy games. He likes games that have like a negative rating. So here's some more of them. That's funny. 
You're probably right. But yeah, for me, Drawn to Death, worst game. The worst time I spent playing video games in all of 2017 by Man. a very wide margin. I, what a what a yeah. I, I guess I read that in in the in the rundown. I'm like, oh, is that like some kind of art game or something? I I, I couldn't remember. You forgot what it was. What it I was. completely <laughs> forgot what it was until you said it. Because that's why I said I didn't play it because I didn't right. remember it. And then I saw it. And I'm like, oh that. Oh that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Oof. All right. Our next category. What a good, what a good pick. Yeah. <laughs> our next category is for games that we didn't get. So. We're not saying that these games aren't good, or I'm not even saying if they're they're bad or good or whatever. All we're saying is the general audience had one reaction to this game, and we had a different reaction. Whether mm -hmm. the the general audience really liked it and we didn't, or the general audience hated it and we liked it, whatever, we just reacted completely different to these products than the average person did. Mm. Uh, so, Matt, what is the game that you didn't get for 2017? Arms. I would, I, uh, I'll give you a high five on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just don't understand. I mean, clearly this appealed to a lot of people uh, because it sold pretty well. And I don't I'm, think it did, actually. It sold okay at, at the time. I don't think it had legs. Get it? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but like, you know, I remember it like, only in, had arms. in the run up to it, it was like people saying, oh, this is the next big esports game. This yeah. is going to be like, there's no other fighting game that can touch this for the year. And I'm just like, I don't know, I know what planet you're on, but this looks like the biggest pile of crap I have ever. I had no interest in this whatsoever. I played like maybe one round of it at E3, I think, and or maybe somebody's house. And I just, I've gotten, no, like, I don't get it. I mean, have fun. Like, Get down with your bad arm self, but like, this was I mean, zero interest. This is this is ready to rumble boxing for, <laughs> for the Switch. Like, it's, it's like that thing you buy at launch because there's nothing else available, and you play it like four times, and then convince yourself it was a good idea. And I have a lot of those games. I have Godzilla Generations for the Dreamcast. I got no, <laughs> I got no room to talk. But like, yeah, it's I never understood what any of the hype was for this game, and it certainly died off. Real, I mean, a week later there was three people watching it on Twitch. Like, yeah, it, it died. Like that, and then Splatoon <clears throat> 2 killed it for good. It did not sell that well, actually, though, Matt. Even in the beginning, it didn't sell all that. It's like a million or something like that? No, it never, it's never got up to a million. No? But I will agree with you. I was one of the people who was excited for this game, and you weren't. And uh, this was very close to being my most disappointing game of, uh, mm. of 2017, because I had high hopes for it. I was hoping maybe it might be the next evolution of Punch-Out, which I, everybody knows I'm already mm. a big fan of. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. I had problems, like, just even getting through the single player in this game so that you can un and totally enjoy the multiplayer in the game. Um, it just... And again, I've had Joy-Con problems ever since I got my Switch, and this relies on extremely accurate Joy-Con inputs. Mm -hmm. And even people who have Joy-Cons that work perfectly have complained about the controls in it, and I didn't. So, yeah, you could imagine I had major problems with it. So, yeah, I hear you on this one. I don't know if I would say I didn't get it. Um... But it just was not as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, and I'm glad, in hindsight, that they did not put the Punch-Out license on this. Because mm -hmm. back when it came out, I mentioned, like, why don't they... Why wouldn't it just be Punch-Out? Why isn't this Soda Popinski instead of these random weird characters? And now I am very happy <laughs> that that did not happen. So I'm right there with you on that one. Uh, the game I didn't get, and people are going to hate me over this one, but for 2017 is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Bold. Um, and again... <laughs> Bold choice. And again, it's not I'm that gonna, I don't I'm like... I'm going to get over here. <laughs> yeah. 
Again, it's not that I don't like Zelda or I don't think it's a great game. I just don't understand why people are going ape crap over it. I just don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I can give you one suggestion that's not a very popular explanation, but we haven't had our truly great Zelda game in like 20 years. Yeah. Me, I don't, I mean, I would go back to Ocarina. A lot of other people go back to Majora's. I don't like Majora's Mask very much. But either way, the last time you had a, a Zelda game that real, was really great, like complete, like great, satisfying Zelda game, was the 90s. Yeah. And when, yeah, I love Wind Waker. Uh, I liked Twilight Princess a lot better when I played it in HD. Skyward Sword can go fuck itself. Um, the DS games are terrible. Uh, Link Between Worlds is cool, but I don't know if you really want to consider that like a full-fledged, like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. not like, it's not like the epic kind of thing you get on the console Zelda game. Right. It's been a long time since you had a Zelda game, you could really sit down and be like, man, this is great. And yeah, look, you are right, it and is great. There's is it a Zelda game? Then not, not so much in the dungeon department, you know, it's like, it doesn't scratch a lot of the same itches, but I mean, I get why people are, are love it, I, I, I think it's uh, overhyped to some degree, but like... It, I played it for 130 hours. I mean, I didn't play it that much. Uh, like I, I got to like once I completed it. I actually never went back and played it until the Champions Ballad mm -hmm. DLC came out. Um, I finished it at like 50 or 60 hours, and look, I didn't have a bad time while I played it. I enjoyed it and had fun with it, and it was good to see kind of all those Zelda assets in an environment mm -hmm. like this. But I don't know, as somebody who's played a lot of open world action RPGs over the last like eight years, like. I really struggle to find much that it does better than other games, other than the stuff we talked about earlier with mm -hmm. kind of the physics and kind of no, fiddling right. around. No, I think you're right. I just I don't think the combat is better than any other oh, game. No. I don't oh. think the story is better. I don't every think time the I pull that bowstring better. back, every I mean, time it's every time I pull that bowstring back, I'm like, if this was Horizon Zero Dawn, you'd already be dead. Yeah, like, like I just I don't get it, man. I mean, I do get it. I realize it's a Zelda game, and there's right. lots of Zelda fans out there, and they're gonna give it the benefit of the doubt no matter what. But now that award season is here, and I kind of see them all the I'm seeing all the critics basically agree with the fans I, I just feel like i've been kind of left been left in the dust a little bit so look i'm not saying anyone's wrong for thinking it's the greatest thing since sliced bread or however they feel about it that's their opinion they're entitled to it and i totally respect that i'm just saying for me personally i don't get the goat conversation greatest of all time I, I think it's part and parcel with the fact that you know in this in this you know the success story of the switch it's like nintendo's back yeah. Like that's part of it. I think it's like, oh my god, here's something we can hold up and be proud of and say this is a reason to own the system. True. And that, yeah, it totally. totally. Is true. Um, I just think you know, and also you have that Zelda honeymoon period where you have like six to eight months where you're not allowed to say anything bad about it. Right. And like, but even, we're through that now. You're through it. Yeah. Even Skyward Sword <laughs> had that though. You know, yeah, there's a period right. where people were denying the Skyward Sword was not the greatest game ever made. Yeah. And six months in, eventually people are like, you know, maybe this isn't the greatest. And then. Especially after that one, the, the, the game breaker. Remember there was a bug in the yeah, yeah. Skyward Sword where you, if you did yeah, the you wrong thing, you got yeah. stuck forever? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, I get it. I get it. it's kind of a, react, a, a reaction coming back from, you know, what I think is unquestionably a low point for Nintendo. Yeah. And uh, been waiting years for this game, and it didn't, you know, for the most part, it didn't disappoint. Even yeah. if, I mean, I, even as someone who plays open world games all the damn time. I mean, look, I wasn't but, disappointed by it right. at all. But, play but disappointment is based, as we said earlier, on expectation. Right. My expectation was it's going to be a really good open world game, and that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. it, to me, that the whole like transcendent thing, I don't understand that at all. No, and one of I the don't... few things that it does do differently that you said you like, that I don't like actually, is the stamina and the climbing in the game. Um, 
I've had to do a lot of soul searching over the last few days, picking these awards and looking in kind of each game and doing like the whole comparison thing. Like, mm-hmm. what does this game do better than this game? What does this game do better than this game? And I struggled to find things that this game did better than a lot of the other nominees for Game of the Year, I guess. I, I agree with that. I just, you know, I, but there is something to be said for something that's just a pure good time. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I've, I've asked the same question many times this year. All right, let's move along. We're coming down to it, folks. Only a handful more of awards to go. Um, next up is Best Graphics, and this is the first award where we actually have a runner-up and a winner. So both of us will give two picks for this. Uh, Best Graphics, Matt, what is your runner-up? My runner-up is Star Wars Battlefront 2. There you go. Um, This was a hard category for me. Yeah, there was a lot of really (laughs) good-looking games this year. I gave it to this one just because, like... I don't think you even have to explain it. Man, it looks good. (laughs) I really don't think you do. And I understand why people... Some people would say, like, no, don't, because, like, there's so much baggage surrounding this game. But, like, once you get into some of these matches, you're like, you're just like, look at that tree. Sometimes it's mind-blowing in this like, game, for sure, yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And uh, the one place you cannot argue that Battlefront 2 didn't deliver is visuals. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is an absolutely gorgeous game. Um, it's also one of those games that where the engine excels in a variety of environments. Yeah. It's like whether it's like an organic wood scene or whether you're out in space with these intricate, massive, colossal ships, it always looks amazing. Yeah, it's also, it's a nice little, like, confidence booster in the Frostbite 2 engine. It is. It's like, hey, look. And actually, you can do ridiculous. something good with it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, my runner-up is Uncharted Lost Legacy. Also a good pick. I st- look, I still, it's amazing the engine that Naughty Dog has built. Imagine what Naughty Dog is going to do with the next PlayStation hardware. If this is what it's what it's mm. squeezing out of the base PS4 hardware. Imagine what Last of Us Part Two will look like the second time you buy it. Yeah. <laughs> or the first, because he was probably going to come out right yeah, when we'll the next see. PlayStation yeah. hardware comes out. They're going to double dip on both ends like they did before. But uh, the art in the game is incredible. The animation is incredible. The lighting is incredible. I mean, just look at that. It's almost photorealistic what you're seeing right there. I think the Naughty Dog does a great job with the subtleties in visuals and the subtleties about, of like, lighting. Don't, you don't even... It's so hard... What, what Nadine just did there, where she just picks the... Having a character pick something up oh, yeah. is incredibly difficult. It is. Like, but which is why usually you see it cut away when cut someone away. picks something up. But like Naughty Dog's like, no, have her pick up paper. Well, it's just like in The Last yeah. of Us Part Two, they show real-time someone playing a guitar right. with strings, polygonal strings vibrate, like... There's just some stuff that Naughty Dog does that nobody else is doing, regardless of the power of the hardware that it works on. I can't imagine what Naughty Dog would do on PC, man. Yeah. Imagine what it would do <laughs> Some, on PC. Something we'd all have to buy new graphics cards for every time. Exactly. So, look, just because this was a standalone DLC or a spinoff or whatever the hell you want to call it, that doesn't change the fact that, in my opinion, it was one of the very mm-hmm. best-looking video games in 2017. All right, time for your winner, Matt, for best graphics. Actually, this is another Same. one we both agree on. So, best graphics for 2017, Horizon, Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn. Like you can't, you can't meet this one. It, like it's, it's, it's astounding. It's the perfect match of art and tech. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, again, I was playing this the other night, and my wife was just completely dumbfounded mm-hmm. by it. Like literally. Her mouth was hanging open. She's like, the, and I think what really struck her the most were the people. 
Yeah. She's like, the people, they look so real. And I'm like, oh, you think they're real, huh? And then I zoomed in on the face and she could see their pores. And she was mm-hmm. just like, what? Well, like, they all, and that's like my main complaint graphics-wise in this game, sometimes the lip sync doesn't match up properly. Yeah. Nope. That's it. Like, that's, that's, it. A, <laughs> that's basically as far as... I remember when it was right when this first came out, or around the same time Zelda came out, and uh, my friend came over to see Zelda. And uh, so I had Zelda up, uh, and I had this up. Uh, is at like the, uh, I was on like a cliff near Meridian, and so I, we, we, I put, had Zelda on. He came and he played. He looked around. I'm like, yeah, look at this. Look at you know, I was standing on like kind of that ridge over the the wooded village yeah. where you kind of see everything. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. It's a little you know, the, and, like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, but let me, let me put Horizon on real quick. And I flew, switched it over, and he just started laughing. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's ridiculous. It's not. It's it's. This is so far beyond like what anyone else is doing in terms of like the fidelity, in terms of the just the, the detail of, the, of her clothing. Look at the detail of, of the character of the models. Look at the enemies of the even when you when you like you know when you uh, uh, override something and ride it around like a horse. The 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 the, the, the tubes and the pipes and the and the, All the gears animated. and everything working together and like all self shadowed. It's amazing. It really is an amazing. I can't believe that Gorilla made this game. <laughs> I mean, look, Gorilla always made pretty games. Yeah. But most of Gorilla's games before this were all style and no substance. And mm-hmm. somehow that studio has just. Comp- I mean, it's one of the best studios in the world now. Gorilla Games. They it, were they were hiding it behind all these mandated kill zone games. I mean, look, they did say that it took seven years yeah. to make this from concept to completion. So look, Gorilla was was afforded. A lot more time and right. resources than most developers get, but bottom line is all that doesn't matter when you're try- when you're picking what the best looking game of a year is. Yeah. All that matters is the end result. And, and, and people have taken far longer to make less pretty games. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah, for sure. So there you have it from Matt and Shane. Both Horizon Zero Dawn best looking game of 2017 across all platforms. Now it's time for most innovative game of 2017. Um, and this can, games can be innovative for a number of reasons. It could be mm-hmm. its art style. It could be a gameplay element that it tweaks differently from any other game. It could be the concept. It could be the story. It mm-hmm. could be like, look at Detroit, become human, catch all this flack for having domestic violence in it. But that's something a lot of games don't have. So the other thing you should mention too is just because you're innovative doesn't make you great. Right. <laughs> You can have an element, an element of your game that does something that's, that's pulled off well, but that doesn't mean the whole game as a whole mm-hmm. is something exceptional. So, Matt, what is your runner-up for most innovative? My runner-up is everything. I love the you. game. I love everything. He just loves everything. Everything. <laughs> no, this <laughs> my favorite. Here's my favorite B-roll on the TriCaster. I'm so oh. glad when you picked this. I'm like, we can pull out the flipping bears again. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this game. I played this game for an embarrassing amount of time uh, over the course of the whole year. Um, There's just something like weirdly compelling about it because it. You know, you <laughs> <laughs> oh, we laugh every time we watch this B-roll. And um, even like the, you, know, you zoom in and see molecules, and you go out to the size of the universe, and like, and, like you're listening to Alan Watts talk about his bullshit hippie crap the whole uh-huh. time. It, it's it's really it's like it's nothing different. else. It's different. Yeah. And it, and the and the, the transition to the various things is super smooth and it and like every in they, it's so kind of rough and janky, but they do find a way to make the different objects and creatures move in a way that feels like like a di- like you're being something else. Even if like walking around as a beetle doesn't feel like walking around as a tree. Right, right. 
Um, that takes a lot of work to get stuff yeah, like that just, right, though. Just as in real life. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I don't know. The last time I walked around as a tree... <laughs> it was probably in college. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it's, I mean, it's more of a toy than a game in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, you just like, kind of fiddle with it, yeah. But it's just, it's... This was a PS4 exclusive, right? No, it was on uh, PC as well. Did it come out on PC? Yeah, I have it on both. And um, it's it's weirdly fun as long as you don't expect it to have much of a point, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, like, now you're, you know, now you're floating and you're, you know, you're a dust mite. Okay. Hey, hey, dust mite. What's up? <laughs> um... And it's just like, it's like nothing else I expected. It's like nothing else I played all year. And it's like, on one hand, it's kind of stupid, but it's just completely endearing in, in how silly it gets. And uh, I, when you think innovation, I thought the, abil- the ability to be anything from a galaxy to a microbe, pretty good. Yep, for sure. All right, my runner-up for most innovative is Hidden Agenda. And this is a detective whodunit game for Sony's new PlayLink initiative, which essentially lets people kind of crowdfund decisions in games using their smartphones. Uh, So it's a new technology that I was pretty skeptical that I I didn't think it was going to work very well. It turns out it works exceptionally well. Mm. Um, And it is one of those rare games that encourages real-life interaction with other human beings, yeah, which and, sadly has become something that is now innovative in video yeah. games. <laughs> and uh, I, I like to think, like, eventually, at some points, you have to vote for, uh, like, who's the most trustworthy of all your friends? And that can start some shit. Yeah, I mean, um, that's what I loved about yeah. it, though. It's like, it puts you in these weird positions with your friends where you're like, oh, my God, like, I don't know if we want... Well, you can see the looks on their faces. Yeah. <laughs> And all this stuff is real. Like, these may be actors that they're filming here, but this is what happens when you play this game. Mm. Like, it, it makes people suspicious of each other. I thought the the way the game was designed was very clever it, as yeah. far as, like, getting that sort of uncomfortable interaction among mm. friends in a lot of ways. Which is good because it covers the fact that the storytelling in the actual game is kind of terrible. It is, yeah. Um, it's, it's That's why it's... Well, that's one of the reasons what in my runner-up. It's right. also why before... We started going into this category. I laid out that this doesn't mean that, that these games good. are great. Yeah. It just this means it's like, innovative. This is like you know, first David Cage game yeah, level yeah. in a lot of ways. It is, yeah. And uh, which is weird because I didn't feel like Until Dawn is the same guys that made Until Dawn. I didn't feel like Until Dawn had that quality, but this no. one does sort of have. Well, this I also kind feel like this is probably theater. a rush job. A little bit, maybe. <laughs> They're like, we have this cool technology, and one thing it does show is that the technology has a future. Yes. In more capable hands, or even maybe their hands with more time, it could be something really compelling. So. It's getting hard to find innovation in our industry, mm-hmm. sadly, Matt. And uh, for me, this was the runner-up for 2017. Yeah, the actual gimmick part of this game works extremely well. It does, yeah. But the, the game, the game itself? I wouldn't play this solo. No, definitely not. Well, I don't think you really could. I mean, I, I played it with my girlfriend, and it was just two of us. With just two of us, it was yeah. sort of like, meh. You yeah. Because if there was like a tie, it's like one of us just had yeah. to... Dis- yeah, one <laughs> of us see. had to, you know, acquiesce. <laughs> or it would like flip a coin and pick somebody. Right. Um, and like, you know, it's more fun. I think it's more fun if you have a large group of people. For sure. But cool nonetheless. All right, Matt, what is your winner for most innovative for 2017? The winner is Pyre. I was a little surprised by this one. But the more I thought about it, the more I got it. Yeah, so was I a little bit, where I'm like, this is, that's, it's the game that kept popping into my head when I would think about it. 
And it's not like it's ne nothing's ever been done like the elements of it before, but they've never been put together quite like this. In no, the there's sense, no other game like this. Yeah, game. it's a visual. There's no doubt about it's it. It's a visual novel fantasy NBA Jam <laughs> team management simulator. <laughs> it is, yeah. Like, yeah. And there's just nothing else like it. And it's the presentation is compelling, and it's got it's like two genres that I care probably the least about, which is visual novels and sports. But it put it together in this way that just made me interested and involved, and I played this game way longer than I needed to for, for like the show or for to uh -huh. be able to talk. And I just kept going back to it all year. And on, on top of that, you've got the art style and the music and all, and the writing's very good. But just, there was that thing where, there's that thing where like, and the, the mark of a lot of innovative games to me is like that idea where I'm like, where I think about, oh, maybe I should play that. And I'm like, well, I could play something else. No, nothing else is that. Right. Like you, you like, if I want, whatever that itch is that this game scratches, nothing else touches it because there's nothing else like it. Yeah, and I also super appreciate it because I've always felt that these guys made really, you know, uh, Transistor and Bastion. They also they made really innovative games there too. But I didn't like those two games. Right. But I like <laughs> this one a lot, and so like it was kind of also I also have a well, kind of a soft spot for it. I think because it was great to finally like a super giant game. Yeah, because everybody else has liked the yeah. first two games, and I would fall into the group that liked. Their first two games more than this one, mm -hmm. um, and I'm a sports game guy. But uh, I think my problem was that I just never felt challenged by the game. It yeah. felt too easy for too long, and by the by, I got, by the time I got to the point where I'd had enough of it, it had finally just started to get challenging. Mm -hmm. And by then, I was like, I had burnt out on the concept, and the plot wasn't sucking me in for whatever reason. Um, but you're right; it is undoubtedly one of the most innovative games this year. It's almost like. They put a bunch of gameplay styles, like little like flashcards into a fishbowl, and then shook it up, and then pulled out three of them and said, okay, this is our game. And it was like visual novel, basketball, and RPG. Hmm. And they're like, how do we do this? They're like, I don't know. We're going to figure it out. It just, it's a very odd game, mm -hmm. to say the least. Um, I did enjoy it for as long as I played it. I think I played it for, I don't know, 15, 16 hours before yeah. I kind of burn out on it. Something about like that. right. But uh, I hear you. But I did like Super Giant's first two games. Um, I liked their first better than their second. But I like yeah. their I like their second better than their third. I didn't particularly like either of them, but I like Bastion more. Yeah, for um, sure. Transistor was not as good as Bastion. No, but this just this. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, I mean, part <laughs> if it wasn't so weird, maybe I wouldn't like it as much. But it's yeah. just like it's like I just never knew where this thing was going. But again, and they don't have to be great. great games to be the most innovative. No, so. And it's not, and, I'm, and I'm not I, saying the game's not great. But. And I appreciate an innovative game that manages to take existing concepts and turn them into something new, which is sometimes harder than coming up with a totally new thing, because you have to make these things that people are familiar with. You have to be able to allow them to recontextualize them in, in, in a sense that sometimes people are resistant to do. Like it's, it can be harder to get someone to see a well-worn thing in a new light because they're used to doing it a certain way. Fighting yeah. games have that problem a lot. Yeah. And there's some fighting game to this, too. Yeah, there so. is. You're right, absolutely. I think the only real thing I would have liked to have seen is a more robust multiplayer angle to it. Yeah. Online multiplayer. Yeah. Would have been huge. Like, yeah. to me, that was a huge miss with this game. Like, I don't know how you create a sports game and mm -hmm. don't include online multiplayer. Like, I didn't super miss it, but at the same time, I feel like it would have been maybe a more talked about game if it was still going in that regard. To my problem with the game, though, which was I didn't have, I didn't feel like it was hard enough, and mm -hmm. I was just destroying the AI in every match until 15 or 16 hours in. I could have gone online 
and got schooled and mm. been shown, oh, no, Shane, you, you don't know how to play this game yet. That would have reinvigorated me to even go back to the single player and get better at it. So I, to me, I think it was a huge miss and a huge loss. You really just can't release a sport. And this is a sports game, let's be honest. You really can't release a sports game in 2017 without online multiplayer. You just can't. There's mm. really no reason for it to not have it. And Yeah, I thought that was a huge disappointment for me with this game. But still, it's a good game. I, I did enjoy my time with it. How, you know, I played it for 16 hours. That's a yeah. long time. <laughs> uh, let's see. My winner for most innovative of 2017 is... And everyone's going to go, what the hell is he talking about? Echo. So I don't know if you guys remember or not, we have actually, this game has been our trailer of the week on Game Face before. Echo is a stealth action game uh, where essentially you clone yourself. Your, your own character gets cloned and you have to kind of outwit yourself. And the AI follows what you do and then will mimic it. So... Essentially what you're doing when you're playing the game is you're teaching the computer how to do things like open a door or pick up a gun or fire a gun. But you have to be careful what you're doing because if you teach the computer too much, the computer can kill you essentially. So it's this crazy like mind screw that you go through when you play this game. And I will, I will say this, the more I played it, the more I did kind of figure out the quirks of the AI. Um, so that you could kind of jimmy the game a little bit so that it couldn't learn like uh, your your habits that would be dangerous to you, so to speak. Mm. Um, but before you figure out kind of like a way to, to screw the game over, it is one of the most interesting uh, games that I've played in the last couple years. Um, this, I think, is a concept that will be duplicated. I think you will see another developer probably with a lot more resources a lot more money a lot more marketing uh, and a lot more of a budget i keep forgetting this game exists take the concepts that were kind of first explored in this game and turn them into something really amazing but i still feel like you need to reward mm. the game that tries it first and the one who is the and the developers who are brave and uh go out on a limb the first time so um, to me, easily the most innovative, at least gameplay-wise. And I think that's, if you look back across these awards, one thing you'll see with me is that when it comes time to pick a game and the games are kind of close, I tend to pick the game that does something with the actual gameplay in that category, and I give it a little bit of a bump. And that's why this was awarded most innovative over Hidden Agenda, mm -hmm. because it was something that's actually tactile and is in your hands. And uh, so for me, most innovative uh, game this year was Echo. But again, innovation, hard to come by these days. Yeah. It's not falling off trees like it used to. So you got to dig. I had to really think hard about that category, to be honest with you. It's probably the one I had to go back and kind of research the most before I could find my picks. Mm. All right, we're down to the last two categories of the Game of the Year Awards from Sifted for 2017. All we have left is the most anticipated game of 2018 and game of the year mm -hmm. so off we go with our most anticipated for next year i think the one thing i would say first when i started looking at the games that are supposed to come out next year is next year is not going to be as good as this year no it's not especially not in q1 definitely not in q1 <laughs> i mean la this year started off with a roar yeah. with the i mean bang. there's some cool stuff in q1 
Yeah. But most of it's like remaster stuff. Mostly, yeah. It's not going to be the, the, the flood that was Zelda and Horizon and... And on and on and on. Yeah, and Resident Evil and, I mean... It was... And For Honor. I mean, there are so many big games that came out early this year. And I think on the whole, next year is just not going to be as good as this year. I think this really was the sweet spot for this generation. Yeah. This will end up being... It was a sweet spot for this year. decade. It really, yeah, it really was. And, and again, we'll talk about best ever early next year in mm-hmm. one of the first episodes... Uh, but 2018 is not shaping up to be quite as good, but still pretty good. It was hard to find my two picks for this. Matt, what is your runner-up for most anticipated of 2018? Um, well, my runner-up and winner are switched on this rundown. So oh, are they? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if I typed that wrong when I sent it to you or what. I think you did, well, but that shocks me. It should be the other way around. Wow. So, Sam, did you get that? Yeah. Okay. So, so your runner-up is? Runner-up is Nino Kuni 2. Which unfortunately was just delayed, just delayed a couple by of months. A couple yeah. months, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the first one. I'm a gigantic Studio Ghibli mark, um, so obviously I was on board for this. Uh, even though, even though I guess got done complaining about anime stuff, right? And, uh, <laughs> and Xenoblade, and Xenoblade, <laughs> but Ghibli stuff is usually not by rote in that regard. Yeah, yeah. It's not as much harem anime crap. This is going to be more of a fantastical thing, and uh, like. I I I'm in. I don't care. I don't care what this is. I'm in. Like it doesn't matter. Look at this game. Look at it. it looks like it looks like Miyazaki just like brought it to life, and it's it's doubly. It is weird. incredible, man. I mean. Doubly weird because Miyazaki hates video games. But um, <laughs> you know, it's, if if you've ever seen um, any of Studio Ghibli stuff, like seeing it kind of brought to this like real time life is amazing. It was amazing in the first game, and now it's just uh, like mind blowing. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss having the little you know the little comedy relief assistant that sounds like Marcus Beer, but like yeah. tidy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, whenever they want to put this out, I will be I'm there. I'm buying, yeah. Game does look incredible. And I played it at E3, and it plays really well, yeah. and it's certainly one to keep an eye on. And, I, you know, one of the things about, especially JRPGs these days, is one of the things that will be most most likely to get me interested and willing to overlook the things that, like, annoy me about JRPGs these days is if you give me a, a world to explore and something that like really shows me something I've never seen before or shows it in a way that I haven't seen before and I every single frame of these the trailers they've shown for oh, this yeah. it's incredible like I just want to go run around in it. We realize there's also like a Pikmin element to oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's... Uh, the, hey, I mean, the Nintendo first... won't give it to us. Bandai Namco right. can give it to us. Well, I mean, us. the first one also had, you know, the battle system there was deceptively complex yeah, if you wanted sure. to get into it. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I can't wait for this game. Okay. My runner-up for most anticipated game of 2018 is Anthem. And You're an optimistic man. Am I optimistic? Like, coming out next year, Anthem? It's supposed to be, like, Q1 of next year. I don't think so. Yeah, oh yeah. They said it was either going to make it out before March or right around that window, for sure. I, think, I thought they said fiscal year 28 or something. No, huh? It's supposed to come out like in the first three or four months of next year. I know that sounds crazy. I, I think that will be news to Bioware. Really? <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be that soon. That's the release date we have on the site. I looked at the story on Sifted, and it totally said end of this fiscal year, beginning of next fiscal year, which is like March 31st or whatever. One way or the other, it is Bioware, so... Yep, and and it's a real Bioware. So I'm really excited about this game. Uh, It looks incredible. I was surprised to see that uh, it was not on the list of for most anticipated at the Game Awards. It wasn't even in the top five. Yet... 
The Last of Us Part 2 was and won. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see Last of Us 2 after Anthem. Yeah, I, uh, I, then I wondered, I'm like, okay, well, does Jeff have inside information? Um, you know, you would think Naughty Dog would say to Jeff, like, no, it's not coming out this year. Like, you need to find somebody else. But well, I don't think, most anticipated in game, the Game Awards didn't seem to be tied to 2018. Oh, it's, really? It's just no, what, I mean, you may be right, actually. This thing you're looking forward to seemed yeah, to be You may be right, right, actually, about that. Uh, but Anthem, man, this game has got me by the gonads. I'm all over mm-hmm. this game. It's pretty much everything I love in video games wrapped into one product. And like I said, it's being made by the real Bioware team, not kind of the B team that was mm-hmm. handed Andromeda. Well, I mean, um, it's, it's, from what I've heard, it's like, I mean, Edmonton is obviously the you know the core of this, but it's basically all Bioware hands on deck for this game. And like, after what happened with Andromeda, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm really stoked for this game. It's got adventure, action, shooting, Iron RPG Man. elements, Iron Man, <laughs> flying. It's I love the art. I love the the setup of the game, the plot of the game. I yeah, love the I'm environments. Pleasantly I, reminded of Xenoblade Chronicles X's environments, like that kind of clearly an alien, clearly an alien world that you just want to go out and look around. It's, I love the freedom. I love how yeah. you fly from that deck down to the planet. There's no loading. You fly all the way down to the planet's surface and just start the mission. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, really stoked for this game. Uh, has, it seems like it's fallen off a lot of people's radar over the last like three or four months. Yeah, I haven't really talked about it yeah, much. Yeah, we haven't seen much since E3, so I kind of get it, but uh, I haven't forgotten about it. So no, it's for still me, in the back of my mind. I mean, it, this is definitely up there. Yep. So but I don't me, think it comes out. Ne- it's going to come out next year, so that's why I didn't pick it. Gotcha. All right, it's time for the winner for your most anticipated game of 2018, Matt. Uh, most anticipated game of 2018 is Shadow of the Colossus Remaster. Remake, <laughs> rather. Remake. Is that an indictment on the industry? No, it's the fact that Shadow of the Colossus is my favorite, favorite game of all ever. time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this looks fantastic. It really does, uh, yeah. And, you know, I'd always, I'd always kind of played the original game and been like, oh, it's too bad we'll never get to play this on, like, hardware that could handle what they were trying to, now we do. Yeah. Like, it's, it looks, I mean, this isn't... This is not the this remaster. This is not the remaster, yeah. But, Obviously. But, uh, the uh, it just the, you know the remaster looks fantastic. I know there's some people that think it kind of ruins the art style, but I don't really agree with that. Um, and if I, if I did agree with it, well, I can always play the old one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's actually people arguing that the choppy frame rate is part of the art style presentation. <laughs> I'm just like, no, that's not. I don't think that. I mean, I, I get funny. what you're saying that it's kind of a cinematic thing, but yeah. it's like that's. Bullshit. Yeah, like, that's not... <laughs> like, playing this at 60 frames a second, I am in. And I also hope they do a VR thing with it. People will find a reason to complain about anything. Yeah. Anything. It's so funny how nitpicky people get on the internet. So, this is... I mean, this is sort of cheating in a way, I guess. But it's like, I love this game Yeah, but it's your favorite game of all time. Just about anything ever. And I'm excited to see a new and one. And you're not going to have a whole mountainside yeah, drawing in front of the, your yeah, face. <laughs> exactly. And, uh... You know, comes out pretty soon. Yeah, it does. Was, was it, it looks incredible. Yeah. I mean, that studio has done an excellent job reviving old games. Yeah, like, Blue, Blue Point is, those guys are so good at what they do. For like, sure. Head and shoulders above anyone else doing remasters and remakes now. And they've rebuilt this thing basically from the ground up. And, and look, uh, I, in my opinion, I think it needed it. Needed it. Like, yeah. There's a yeah. lot of janky stuff about this well, game, also, the original version. Well, they also the other problem is like uh, the remaster on uh, PS3... Uh, there was a lot. It was a higher difficulty kind of. The stamina ran out faster, and for a while there was people talking about how oh, it's like how it was in the European version. And it turns out no, that was just a mistake. Like it's not supposed to be like that. So hopefully Blue Point will be going back to make the balance of this game proper, 
and uh, it'll be the definitive version of this uh, just this singular game that like man there's nothing else like it there really. isn't yep and, even uh, today there's still isn't. I can't, I can't wait to enjoy it all over again before the movie comes out and ruins everything there's a movie coming out there's been a movie in development hell for a while but uh, there's actually a um, a script that came out like like half Did the you read it some of it like half the script takes place before the game starts it's uh, all in the village and all this you know, it's it ruins the mystique that ruins of the whole idea yes. of the yes, game yes it does <laughs> yes it does that's a terrible idea Wow. Okay. I wish I didn't know about that now. <laughs> well, with any luck, it will just fail and disappear again like the last two attempts to make a movie out of this. Yeah. Game, so. It is. I mean, if it was handled right, it would make for a great film. But I have a feeling it would Yeah. My, if I made that film, it would basically be a silent movie. Yeah. Because you don't need yeah. any. It tells a story all on its own. All right. It's time for me from, to make my pick for my most anticipated game of 2018. Mine is a little more traditional. My most anticipated game is Red Dead Redemption 2. Think that game's coming out this year, Matt? Yeah, I think I think this one will. <laughs> they that's also like Q2, like end of March, early April, mm-hmm. somewhere in that time I frame. swear Anthem was like November next year. Yeah. They were saying it was like end of next year, which is why I kept thinking, oh, that's gonna slip. That's yeah. totally gonna slip. That's gonna slip to the end of fiscal. It's possible. But this I believe them I mean, Rockstar doesn't they you, Rockstar maybe does one delay and usually they make their second day. And they already they kinda did they delay already did. this once. Yeah, yeah so um, look, it was really hard for me to choose because so once I saw the Game Awards give it to The Last of Us Part Two, like I said, I was like, "Huh, like is that coming out next year?" Because if it is, that's my most anticipated game. And then this gets bumped to runner-up, and then mm-hmm. Anthem gets bumped off. Now, I don't, th- I don't think the Game but, Awards has a year bracket, for which that. seems weird. But uh, so then I started thinking about it, and I've, there, I read an article like, oh, it's 20% done from like two months ago. I'm like, there's no way it's coming out next year. So Red Dead gets the nod from me. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really got a new open-world Rockstar game for a long time, man. And yeah. I am interested to see what kind of stuff Rockstar has picked up on just has, as the genre has evolved. Do you think there's going to be loot boxes in this game, Matt? I have no idea. Like, I mean... I mean, <laughs> There'll be like stagecoaches or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like the I, the success of GTA Online makes me think that there would have to be some kind of online component. But G, but Rockstar doesn't really loot box that. I mean, yeah. they, and they're still supporting it with that the that crazy new heist that's coming out yeah. with the the flying DeLoreans and shit. Yeah. Um, my curious curiosity about this game is mainly that like the people who are making this game are not the people who made the first one, right? Because um, Rockstar San Diego doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. In fact, most of them got laid off the instant they finished the game. Yeah. And uh, so I'm interested to see if they can, because I think that first game still. I mean, I, it's a second game, fine, whatever. But Rockstar's first entry in the Red Dead series, like I, you know, replayed it on Xbox One uh, earlier, about half of it this, this year, and I think that game still holds up. Yeah, it still it, does. it still works pretty well. And bringing that, you know, if they can capture that same magic on uh, on a new one, like I'll be a, I'll be impressed. But at the same time, it'd be kind of like, well, it's Rockstar. Yeah, Rockstar doesn't let anything loose before it's done. But. That's true. So that's my most anticipated game for 2018. Uh, hopefully, it comes out. I, I think it will. I have I a terrible track record with deciding when deciding whether games are going to make it out in a calendar mm, year or that's not. That's true. I am terrible at it. So and you're going to pay for it in January. I am going to pay for it. But, <laughs> I paid um, for it last year too. So no, I, I think it will. I mean, it might. It wouldn't surprise me if it slipped to fall because I think it's supposed to be spring right now. Yeah. I wouldn't surprise me if it slipped to fall, but I think it will make 2018 for the year. 
We shall see. All right. That said, we'll see if I decide to draft it or not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Liff will be coming up soon as well. He'll be doing our third annual fantasy. It's hard to believe. Our third yeah. annual fantasy draft coming up real soon. So it's time. It's time for Game of the Year. Sifted's Game of the Year for 2017. Uh, well, at least Matt Kyle and Shane Satterfield. I don't think yeah. we have an official word, really. Um, I mean, if, if probably you know, whatever depends, you pick, whatever you pick is probably the official one because it's your site, I guess. But uh, we actually might have an official one this year. Yeah. When you think about it. Well, we've never agreed before. Nope, we haven't. No. Um, will we agree this year for 2017? You're about to find out. Uh, we did pick runners up for game of the year, so it's not just a winner. Matt, what, in your opinion, is the second best video game released? In 2017, I had to go with The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Okay. On this one because while I have my misgivings about the reaction to it, like I played this game for 130, 140 hours. There's a reason, and, yeah. And it was just, you know, I'm a big open world fan. I'll play just about anything that has an open world because I'm a sucker for that. I play really bad open world games. I mean, I played Mad Max. <laughs> I played Mad Max for like 80 you hours. You did. That's man. right. I, I, I went, forgot about that. And this one just like hooked, you know, it hooked me, brought, pulled me in, and I just kept going and going and going. Even if, and even if I played like a couple hours, and like all I did was climb things, and like find a korok seed, and like find a shrine, you know, I, I could do nothing of value in the game for hours, and I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Like it was just the, the, the experience Atmosphere. of playing the game is a joy, and. Like, that's a rarity in, in these games. And, and that's kind of the, you know, as Reggie might say, it's the Nintendo difference. That it's fun to play it even if it was just a bunch of blocks in an open field. One thing that complicated this game for me is how many updates have come out for it that have mm. made the game so much better to play. Yeah. Because when I played it when it first came out, a lot of the stuff that drove me absolutely insane about it like, just figuring out where you need to go and where you've been, all that stuff has been remedied with, like, mm. patches now. And I should note that, like, 100 and... Uh, maybe, except for maybe 10 hours, all that playtime was before the DLC. Right. Like, it was all in the first month or so. Yeah. Month and a half. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I, I kind of, like, you know... I guess rip on it to some degree about like you know oh it's 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 just synthesizing what other games have been doing for ten years and all that stuff. It doesn't mean it ain't a whole ton of fun. And uh, I I haven't gone back to play with with the new DLC, the Champions uh, Champions Ballad. Champions Ballad, but I will. You know, it's, it's I'm kind of waiting for the the holiday rush to be over so I can sit down and kind of get back into it. Because the funny thing is, when you start this game up after like six months of not playing it, you're like, wait, what does what? what? You forget how everything works together again. I, know, I, just, I had to remind myself. To I had to remind myself how to like you know pull the parasail out. Oh, dude, and, you know, I couldn't like, remember how to surf on the shield, like any right. of that stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, you can jump in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> it... it was really bizarre. Remembering how to like drop an item. Yeah, I was like, how do I yeah. drop something? I can't. I'm like, do I have to throw it and it's like just gone? Like, it took me a while to mm. kind of get back into the groove. And I also say that like one of the things that also like made me you know kept my opinion of it like buoyed and high over the like the summer and the fall was uh, uh, my friend Jason who has been playing with, with his four year old daughter, and she I mean she's four years old and she can she can run him around she can fight with him she she knows to put a, the different clothes on him when it gets cold or hot. Mm -hmm. It's her favorite thing is changing Link's clothes. Of like, course, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. And now he's going to wear this, and now he's going to wear that. And she loves it. And they played the whole game together and beat Ganon and did the whole thing. 
and uh, just watching this kid like kind of discover video game and almost and, and the Zelda yeah. and Zelda it was it was great and it's like you know you got I gotta I gotta kind of give it up to this game that like you know manages to be innovative and de- deliver to the hardcore fan base what they really have wanted for a long time but also like charms a four year old into in loving it on this degree it's like i mean it's like they, they didn't compromise the game in the name of pulling in the you know the the, the, kids, the, the, yeah. the hardcore audience and they didn't like make it a kiddie game to pull the, they just made a great game and everyone sees but it. isn't that the magic of nintendo that's what nintendo At does best, better than yes. any anyone else it can make games that you can enjoy whether you're three years old or 83 years old and that to me is nintendo's special sauce yep. that no other publisher gets and i don't think in all honesty, a lot of publishers even try. Mm-hmm. They're just like, we're making this for the 18 to 34 year old. Done. Right. They don't even think about that whole other half of the Put market. a man with a shaved head and his back to the camera on the cover and call it a day. You know? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and something between his legs that's related to actually what's happening in the game. Yeah, totally. Uh, all right, so my runner up for game of the year is Super Mario Odyssey. So, as you guys know, I'm a gameplay first guy. I've loved 3D platformers ever since they first were invented. It's a great 3D platformer. The gameplay in this game is absolutely sublime, as it always has been. I love the variety in this game. Again, much like Zelda, you can enjoy this game whether you're 3 or 73. It doesn't make a difference. Um, It keeps you on your toes. You're never doing the same thing for very long. Um, If you're really into just platforming challenges, you can find that. If you want to just jump off to the side and do something entirely different like race or whatever this game has it and it's all tight and perfect um the reason it's a runner-up for me instead of game of the year and believe me it was very close for me to winning game of the year the reason it's not is because it is still lazy in certain elements of games in 2017 there's still no story and i hear you i'm I'm, you know when this goes on youtube you'll be like oh who wants a story in a mario game I hear you. I've heard that a million times. There's no reason to assume that there shouldn't be a decent story in a Mario game, in my opinion. Um, it's not very cinematic. There's, you know, there's a lot of things that other games do, and, and the developers spend a lot of time and work and resources on doing that Nintendo just doesn't even bother with in the Mario franchise. But if you're talking about just gameplay, and and you know the visuals are okay, um, I, I think they're doing a pretty good job with what they got with the Switch as far as hardware is concerned. But if you're just talking about gameplay, and me being someone who is usually focused very squarely on gameplay, this is, in my opinion, the best playing game of 2017. And so for me, any game that's the best playing game of any year is going to be up there on my list for the best of 2017. And with, uh, with some of its deficiencies, Super Mario Odyssey finds itself as the runner-up for me in 2017. So, so one way or the other, we picked Nintendo. We did as our as our just different perspectives place. on what we like. I think you can see us in those runners up. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, I I've always liked Zelda better, and yeah. you've always liked Mario better. Yeah. Although I don't even fa- know if I would say that, but you're much more of a Mario fan than I am. Then. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I uh, I go back and forth whether Zelda or Metroid is my favorite Nintendo series. Probably. I mean, Zelda has more chances to like it. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe means that like Metroid has an point. unfair advantage because it's rarer. Yeah, it's, a, you know, it's, it's rarer, and they don't haven't had as many chances to screw it up either. Right. <laughs> Although they've tried yeah. you know, the last couple times, but uh, 
I didn't. I didn't find a place for Metroid. The Metroid uh, Samus Returns in my list. We here. don't have a best handheld game category. No, but uh, uh, maybe was, we should have. But mm. I don't even know if it would have won. To be honest, it was another pretty good year for handheld games too. Yeah, so. I mean that would have been a decision. Is just. Uh, well, then you also say, well, are all Switch aren't all Switch games handheld games? That, yeah, that's true. Which they are. Yeah. So it still wouldn't have won. <laughs> <laughs> Best handheld that's not a Switch category. Well, then if you have an NVIDIA Shield, right. all PC games get exactly, thrown in there. Exactly, yeah. So. so it's getting working. I think that's why we've gotten yeah. rid of the handheld category. So, all right. This is the moment. This is where we pick the game of the year for 2017 here on Sifted. And... Everybody I, knows mine. I mean. Well, <laughs> well, actually... Hmm? Well, yeah, they, I guess they do kind of know yours. Have you said already... On prior shows, what your what it was? I've mentioned that like it's my it's still my favorite for oh, the okay. year. Like as recently as like probably a month ago. I think. Okay. Well, I have not. Yeah. But here's the thing, Matt and I have chosen the same game of the year for 2017, and that game is Horizon, Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn. Game of the year, 2017. I mean, I've been a Horizon stan since like you know the end of February, basically. I mean, I w- I've been raving about this game for ten months now. Um, but there's just nothing else like this thing. Like, you know, the the every time I played Zelda, like you know, Zelda being my number two pick, every time I pulled that bowstring back, I would th- I would think like, man, I wish this played as well as Horizon. Like the combat in Horizon works so much better, and the freaking sword doesn't break, and uh, <laughs> the enemies are more interesting. Like the the approaches to combat are more interesting. The traps add another dimension. Like. I run around this world and just play and trap and hunt things for no reason other than the enjoyment of it. And that's very rare in these in this kind of game for me. I'm usually I have to have an objective and in this I just play it to play it. If you take any IP bi- if you take the IP bias out of comparisons. There's I mean if comparing this game to Zelda, it's not even close, man. Mm-hmm. The only thing that Zelda does better, and I don't even think it's by all that much, is what I talked about earlier, which is the experimentation mm-hmm. and being able to fiddle around with the physics. But yeah, as, Aloy can't cook, turns right, out. Right, right. <laughs> but as I also mentioned earlier, you can, there is still an element of that in Horizon using the traps mm-hmm. and using kind of like the trip wires with the electricity and everything. Like, you, you think the same way with that as you do. And look, a lot of people will play Zelda and not never even realize that that stuff exists. Mm-hmm. In this game, you're forced to use that stuff. So you no matter what, you're going to be exposed to that element of the game. But you start looking at story, writing, visuals. Pretty much every element of Horizon Zero Dawn uh, is just pulled off with a plum. Um, and look, just talking about graphics, you know, it's, it's not fair maybe to compare it to some of the Switch games, to Mario mm-hmm. or Zelda, because obviously Gorilla has a lot more to work with hardware-wise, but even so... Even if you take, that, even if you take the hardware power thing out of the, out of the equation, I think there's a lot more imagination in this game in terms of the design of the enemies... Variety of the enemies, like Zel- I ran out well, Zelda, of I ran like, out of Zelda enemies pretty quick. Yeah. Like there's like basically like you know how about a handful of them. Zelda's a little hamstrung in that case, though, because it is an existing franchise, and you have to have all those. Yeah, but you can come up with anything you want. Yeah. I mean, it's at least the the centaur guys came back for the first time in forever. But like, it just it just felt like you're doing you're fighting the same thing a lot, and like that does happen in this. But like, there's so many more. Everything's a different challenge, and your damn weapon doesn't. But I mean. I, 
the the fragile weaponry in in Zelda was a was a real strike. If the if the, if the weapons were not even that they didn't break, if they broke like twice as long, if they had maybe twice as much durability, uh, I would have had a much better time playing that game. But like, the, the, I don't, I just don't have, I don't have a complaint about Horizon. There you can, you can. It's like peer, it's yeah. almost peerless. I'm like, I wish the lip sync was better. Yeah, I'm like, wondering. That's it. That's all I'm I got. Wondering what people find fault with in this game? Well, people talk about how like they, you know, they they think the open the open world is empty and there's nothing to explore, nothing to see, and nothing to do. And I can only assume they played a different game than I did. I don't understand that that criticism at all. At all. Uh, the story... Certainly not compared to Zelda. No. The story gets better and better and better as it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, visually, it's, as we both selected it, the best-looking game of the year. Uh, I think maybe Zelda might have an advantage in music, maybe? Yeah. 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 I mean, part, partly because... But that because, might be nostalgia. Yeah, partly because Zelda's building on, you know, 30 years of, of back backstory, back catalog, but, like... Um, but the combat in yeah. Horizon feels way better to me, way more reactive, way more flexible. DLC's uh, better. Yeah. I Frozen mean, Wilds is, is fantastic. It, I, I just started... Basically, I started lining up Horizon against Mario and Zelda and a couple others, and I just could not find... Another game that matched up point by point with Horizon. It, mm-hmm. It's the most complete game of 2017, in my opinion. And look, it took seven years, and people may call that cheating, but the bottom line is the end product is freaking amazing. And uh, I'm so glad that I this past week and a half, I took the time and the effort, even though I knew I was crunched for time, to go back and play through this game. Um, because I could have made a horrible, horrible mistake with my hmm. pick for Game of the Year. So... There you have it, folks. Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, officially, that is Sifted's Game of the Year for 2017. Um, whether it's coming from my mouth or mm-hmm. yours, we're in agreement. So, well, what's Sam's Game of the Year? Yes, yeah, Sam. What's Sam's Game of the Year? <laughs> A game called hmm. Nothing. Nothing. But Sam's the Sam's Four. That's what he's been playing all year on his phone. <laughs> Sam, Sam's afraid to lose credibility. His game the of the year is Mario Kart 64, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this year and every year. <laughs> okay, so uh, look, we have a little bit of time for Q and A. We should, man, that should be a stream you do sometime. A beat Shane should be Sam playing you at Mario Kart 64. I would totally be down with that. I haven't played it in forever. Sam's, Sam's skill at Mario Kart 64 is much lauded. Apparently, it he, is, is, he yeah. is a dangerous man. He's a dangerous man on the kart track. He is. And the last time I picked up an N64 controller, it felt like an alien, <laughs> like, egg. I was like, what is this? I mean, I spent so many hours using that thing, and now it feels like I've never held it mm-hmm. before. It's really crazy. Uh, but anyway, we're going to do a little bit of Q&A uh, with you guys, because this is, again, the last episode of Game Face. Uh, try to keep your questions at least related, kind of, to Game of the Year, uh, so we can answer some questions. Uh, maybe you guys have some Maybe you think we, we slipped up somewhere, or why did you give this this, but you didn't award it this over here. Continuity is really hard in Game of the Year awards. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that right away. It's even um, weirder in the award shows where they decide, like, oh, the same thing can't win twice, so you've got, like, a, a first-person shooter oh, yeah, wins that... Game of the Year, but then a different first-person shooter wins Best First-Person Shooter. It makes no sense. Well, it's just like we said earlier with the Game Awards, where Final Fantasy XV was considered an RPG, but then you had other games that were the same exact design as Final Fantasy XV were considered action-adventure games. So 
it's uh, it's hard to have continuity mm-hmm. across awards, especially when you have like I think we just did twenty one. So uh, let's see if we have any questions from you folks. Sam, you should be getting the signal through there. Um, let's see. The legacy. Do you think that Telltale should use PlayLink to give their games the kick in the arm that they need? And I think EA will screw up Anthem with loot boxes. <laughs> I think that's a very good idea for Telltale. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I think it would have to either develop its own version of the technology or license, yeah, or it, or from license Sony. it from Sony. And I'm wonder. I don't know how that would affect like platform exclusivity, but like. If Sony could uh, just trade here, or, or have maybe, this tech, or maybe they approach Sony and say, "Hey, we'll make a Telltale game out of one of your properties." Like a, I would play a Telltale Ratchet and Clank, or a Telltale or God like, of War. Telltale God of War. I mean, there's a lot of their properties you yeah. could leverage that way. You're right. Um, That's a good idea. And, that, and they could incorporate the the, the PlayView thing, and that'd be a, that'd be a good idea. I mean, I look, like that. Telltale needs Email a shot them. in the arm. Yeah, Telltale needs something. Like their their new CEO came out this week, and basically their new strategy is. Put out more stuff on mobile and make less games. That's his strategy to turn around Telltale after laying off 25% of their workforce. Yeah, so good luck with that. I like your idea way better than Legacy. I think that's a great idea. Um, Wolfox 10JC, where's the Yakuza 6 love, Matt? Um, Yakuza 6 come out? It hasn't. No. <laughs> He's saying most anticipated. most anticipated. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, I'm not like. I'm not, not super anticipating that game because it's like yeah because it's sort of a known quantity to me yeah. also we got two of them this year yeah um for so sure. zero and kiwami are very good but it's like when it comes to when it comes to what i'm like really you know fixated on right now shadow of the colossus and nino kuni are the uh are the kings and also yakuza is sort of how i used to say like i'm not like super hyped about zelda before that came out because like look i'm in i know like i know what i want and i know and yakuza is such a known quantity that uh, it's just it's it's just sort of there. It's percolating in the, on the back burner of the stove, and yeah. I'll be there. I'll be there for it. But uh, when it comes to like what I'm giving the love to, not really. I mean, Yakuza Zero, I would have loved to give it something this year, but it just this year was so strange. And almost any other year, Yakuza Zero would probably have been a runner-up or game of the year for me. It's a tough year but to crack. This any year of was was crazy. any game that was mentioned in this episode, by the way, is. A really oh, freaking yeah, good game because every, every game it's the toughest year ever to like. Yeah, every game we've mentioned runs Barter Town. Yeah. basically. I mean, you, yeah. you had to claw your way through a Thunderdome to get to get there. on this show. Okay, just a couple more because we're already way way over time. Appreciate you guys sticking with us all this time. Um, I saw somebody had a question about Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, Odin Five. What did you feel was wrong with AC Origins as it wasn't mentioned much at all? Um. I really enjoyed it, uh, AC Origins. I've played 50-some hours of it, um, but I most of that's due to the setting and the fact that I am a freaking sucker for the Witcher 3 setup where I'm just like, oh, look at question mark. I'm going to go see the question mark. Right. I, I'm, I started doing that again last night in Ghost Recon as well, yeah. Wildlands. So I was like, oh, i got to go see the question mark. I'm like, yeah. I will spend all day uncovering a map if you give me a, a map to co- yeah. uncover. And... Um, I just felt like because it was so similar to The Witcher, it was glaring to me how much worse written it was. Yeah. And I feel like if you're going to steal from the best, you're going to be compared to the best. And I didn't feel like they, they stood up. I think... Uh, also it, the combat stuff. It was probably the game that was shafted the most by how strong 2017 was. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's hovering I think in there. A normal, and, I think what yeah. you were saying earlier, in a normal year, like ne- if it came out next year, it probably would have been in a lot more of the discussion mm-hmm. for awards. Uh, I personally just found the game kind of boring. 
Uh, I was really excited about the setting, and I still do like the setting, but I just could never really get into any of the characters in the game. It felt like it took a long time for the plot to really get going. Uh, I still found all the side missions to be completely uninteresting, and I felt like the mm. game too early on forced you to do the side missions. Like, whereas like to other keep, Assassin's Creed, keep up Creed, in the levels, yeah, yeah, like other Assassin's the level Creed games, real harsh. Yep, and like I felt in prior Assassin's Creed games. I could mostly just stay on the main quest path, mm -hmm. and I would level enough up enough naturally that I could keep doing the next one. And there were several gates in this one where it's like, okay, here's the mm -hmm. next one, recommended level 18, you're level 15, where I had to go and do these really boring side quests to get up to the level so I could continue with the quest. And it just ended up making the whole experience feel disjointed and broken up for me. In an EA so. game, they would have sold you loot boxes. No, you're right. <laughs> and, so, and I probably would have paid in a couple <laughs> instances to jump up I liked levels. it a lot more than you did. I think yeah. it would probably make my top five of the year. But making the top five of the year doesn't mean you get mentioned on this show. Yep. Like, we, 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 uh, you're, the way you have this, this show set up, uh, it is cream of the crop only. So I would probably put a, uh, AC Origins around, the, like, my number five slot of the year. Number six, maybe. But, like... That, that, that doesn't get that doesn't get you into the winner's circle. <coughs> um, let's see. There's lots of questions. We're just gonna answer one more. Mm -hmm. uh, unfashionable. Which game platform would win in terms of software releases? I think we maybe you came late. Yeah, I think that's place. That's why we still. picked. I mean, I, I guess technically it's always the PC. Yeah, and but PC like, did like really yeah. one for you last year. Um, uh, but we picked PlayStation 4 for best platform this year, and yeah. we picked it because of its software library. Yeah, so. and I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn is a big factor for me on that one. Well, it's our game of the year, yeah. so that gives it a nice bump. And we were talking about third-party stuff like Persona 5, how it was exclusive to PlayStation, and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see, maybe one more. Uh, would you change any of your last year's picks? Well, I'd have to see them. <laughs> you don't remember them? <laughs> but uh, not like my main ones, no. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think... Uh, well, I... Would you still have most anticipated game, Star Trek Bridge Crew? Of the first half of the year, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, if I hadn't played that yet, I'd still be very excited about but it. But that's what I'm saying. In hindsight, now that you have played it, do you think it was a good pick? Yeah. Okay. It did, it, Star Trek did not let me down. Um, and I still love No Man's Sky. I played it a lot this year as well as they updated and improved it. Um, I hope they got one more big update in them coming down the pipeline. I don't know if they do, yeah. but uh, that game has only gotten better. Some would say it could only have gotten better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, I still, it's still, I put a, you know, I, I probably put another fifty some hours into that this year, even you know, with just for pure fun and just to see all the new stuff. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I have no regrets about last year's. I can recall. <laughs> I recall. If you, if you show me some of my like you know earlier picks in the show, maybe I'd be like, really? Okay, yeah. I don't, know, I don't, I don't remember what I picked. Yeah, right. I, I'm living in the moment. All right, one last question. What was your game of the year last From year? From Hippie Two Thousand. What was my game of the year last year? What was yours? No Man's Sky. Oh, I don't even remember. As I've said many times, my just because it's my favorite doesn't mean it's the best. Right. I can't even remember what my game of the year was last year. Yeah. We're running out of time, though. Uh, one last question. What are your plans for the holidays? Wish you all the best from Hippie2000. Wish you guys all the best, too, by the way. Uh, what are your plans for the holidays? Um, spend some time with the family and... Like, I don't know. I mean, part of the problem of... Are you going up north to the Bay Area? A little bit. And uh, part of my problem, of course, is like 
no one can get me a video game for Christmas because <laughs> like I'm already sort of you have them there. all, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple I've held off on, like the the, the HD uh, Okami remaster. Maybe I'll maybe I'll put that on my list and play that up there. Um, gonna uh, like mainly like the the, the com- gonna come. I got a bunch of games I got planned to give to my niece because she's starting to get into the console stuff now after years of mobile mobile games, and we're finally introducing her to real the video real games, the yeah. real McCoy. She's already a Sims addict, so that's that's cool. It's like Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, basically just that, and um, maybe some time to play the stuff that I haven't gotten around to. I'll probably finally get around to Divinity: Original Sin too, and I'll come back for the first show of this and be like, I should have given everything to this game. And like, <laughs> nah, probably not. Yeah, uh, I'm traveling to the East Coast like I always do because all my family is back there. Um, so I leave on Tuesday morning, very early in the morning, on the 19th, and then I fly to Washington, D.C., get in a rental car, drive in the rental car up to Pennsylvania, where I'll stay with my mom for a while, and then I'll drive out west to go see uh, my dad's side of the family. Obviously, it's important to see them after everything that happened with him and my sister. Uh, and then I'm probably going to head out to Philadelphia for a couple days, uh, to see my friends and uh, and uh, the wife and kids of my one of my best friends who passed away recently. So I know they're going to need support over the holidays, missing their, their dad or their husband, as it were. Uh, so I'm going to go out there for a couple days and, you know, maybe take his kids out and do something fun, uh, hang out with his wife, maybe go see a movie or something. So um, I'm supposed to be on vacation, mm. but it's really not. It's just going to be insane. And then it's also my, uh, 10th wedding anniversary on December 28th, uh, which I'm very proud of and very happy about. And so I'll have to do something for that. Uh, and then I get back here. It's looking like on New Year's Eve, because it's pretty much the only time I can afford to fly back here. Mm. Flights are insanely expensive. Um, so it looks like In I'm meantime, getting back. we got to hope that we don't get another blizzard. To right. And get stuck. Disrupts all that. It's possible. Uh, so I get... I'm, Right now, I supposedly get back on, like, New Year's Eve. Uh, so when the year turns over, we should be hitting the ground running. Mm-hmm. I talked about this earlier in the show before it launched, but I realized a lot of you guys maybe just jumped in in the middle of the show. So it does look like there will be some curation over the holidays. The site won't just sit dead like it has the last couple years. So we have some people helping. I've also got some content planned out, so we'll be dropping that throughout the next week and a half or so. But, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I'll also probably see The Last Jedi two or three more times. I will be seeing that tomorrow, and then I'll see it again, drunk with my friends on the East Coast, at some point over the holidays, mm-hmm. guaranteed. So I'm really, really excited about that film. So I think that's it for us. I think that's it for Game Face for 2017. It's been an mm-hmm. amazing year. You guys have been absolutely incredible. I want to thank you guys so much for your support. One last parting gift. If they want to give us a little Christmas gift, don't forget to hook us up with your Prime stuff for December. I think if you just go up to the right top of the player, there's yeah, like a like subscribe button. And you can basically just give us your Amazon Prime subscription and we get like $2 or whatever. So if you want to give us a little Christmas tip, that's a good way to do it. So Make uh, sure Shane doesn't get stranded in Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys for all your support this year. You guys have been absolutely phenomenal. You've seen us through thick and thin for the last several years, in fact. Uh, really how to, happy and proud that we've made it through 2017. I really didn't know if we were going to do it, uh, but we did. So thanks to Matt. Thanks to Sam. Thanks to all of you. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a great Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate 
Uh, I hope it's a great holiday season for you guys. Hope you have a great and a safe new year. Take Uber, don't drink and drive. And uh, we'll see you in 2018. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>